Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, well, uh, so much <laughs> happens, but it's only two weeks. We are in a time of great change. Uh-huh. Uh huh. A time of becoming. You're talking about the. Um, you're talking about the deaths of Paul Rubens and yes. Sinead O'Connor. Uh, great losses to the '80s. Each of them. Yeah. Together now in heaven. Yep. As, as, that's how they always belonged. They're together in my heart, for sure. I mean, she must have been 15 years younger than him, but... Yeah. You know. Yeah, when it, said he, was, soul. When it said he was 70, I was like, God, that's... What? No way. That's so old. But then I just did the math real quick. But then you're nah, just like, you know, nah, that, that show seems, was in the 80s. That yeah, seems that did fine, happen. actually. <laughs> There's some... Uh, the episode everyone's been playing clips from floating around was one with Phil Hartman on it from 1981. And uh, I just went, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you know what? That totally makes a lot of sense. Yeah, okay, I get that. <laughs> now it's weird that he's only 70. Yeah. <laughs> they let a 20-something-year-old 20 year get on TV and do that? That's how old I am. Is that, that seemed crazy to me, and then I just had to accept it, like the rest of everything that I have to yeah. accept in my life. Uh, no, man, I was talking about how uh, every single big uh, Pac-12 school is trying to defect from the Pac-12 at the same time. <laughs> So, oh um, shit hold on we got a thing we got a thing for oh, that oh yeah okay we can do it uh... now sports round God, that's so dope. It sucks that that's the entire length of the loop, and that does play for yeah. the entire two minutes that you're in that mode. But yeah. it's, a, it's a great little track. No, all the tracks on that game were fire, as we've, I'm sure, covered in this podcast at some point. And, uh, but yeah, they did have quick loops. Yeah. A lot of quick loops. Um, yeah, man. Fucking. Hey, man, did you know well, these colleges, they love money, man. They love it so much they can't. It's the only even, thing they love. I mean, I mean, it really does seem to be literally the only factor that has anything to do with uh, conference alignment for sure. Nah, man, every, they're gonna they're gonna get a bad TV a deal, and they have to pretend like they love something else and fire a coach who did too much hazing or let too much hazing get did or something. Man, I swear to God, I think they even say in the, I'm sure AI generated letters that come out uh-huh. about this. I think it even just says in the first paragraph, this was going to hurt our money. bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's bad behavior was going to give us slightly less money next year than we got this year. So we had to get rid of him. No, man, we're in the era of, and we have been for a while now, of people just saying the quiet part out loud. Uh-huh. And everyone just says money now. And um, so, like, Pac-12 has been playing it super slow on this new TV deal. Every other conference has a, a TV deal in place that's paying the schools at least like $30 million a year. I mean, the big conferences. 
least $30 million a year just from TV revenue. And Pac-12's just not been able to get it done. And as they wait and wait and wait to do it, all the schools are getting antsy and trying to trying to fucking leave for one of the other conferences to make sure they get their money. And then the Pac-12 presents this entirely shitty TV deal to all their members yesterday or the day before where it's all going to be on Apple. Oh, and yeah. it's not going to be much money except it's incentive-based. So if they somehow blow their subscription numbers out of the fucking water, then they're going to make some money on it or whatever. So now all the members are like, no, we're gone. <laughs> yeah, so their big plan was, hey, you know how everyone's on strike because you can't make any money on the streaming services because they <laughs> refuse to pay you any money? This is our big plan. Well... <laughs> Yeah, forget traditional media. This is a, a play for the future. We I hope... are going to blaze our own glories or whatever. And um and yeah, so the, everyone's trying to leave, so it's going to be there's going to be like four power conferences now, but really it's going to be like a two and two model. There's going to be like the Big 10 and SEC are going to have all the good schools and the ACC and Big 12 are going to have all the middling schools. And then uh you know that you'll still have your Mountain Wests and your yeah 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 scraps whatever. the scraps. scraps division yeah yeah but um yeah just one of the many things going on in the current events section of this uh, podcast is probably by the time <laughs> there's another podcast uh, the Pac-12 will be deceased would be my guess uh, I mean it could be or a conference be... that's been around for a hundred years under various names you know like maybe the first alien university will join depending <laughs> on how. Uh... Yep. How all the stuff in Congress is going? How all the Congress stuff goes. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of... A lot of actual congressional hearings about these fucking aliens. About yeah. these fucking quarks and shit out here. And I'm I'm out of schadenfreude, so I don't even... I can't even enjoy anymore no. everyone on the various alien subreddits getting all hyped up for a hearing and then as always it's a guy he is now he is testifying under oath that he heard from someone else that there's aliens yep, yep. and it's all it's just fucking always that yeah man it's the quagars it's two ways actually yeah um yeah man i don't know what to say if congress wasn't always wasting their time on something this would be a real disappointment but uh <laughs> This is, I mean, this is no worse a use of their time than what they're normally up to, I guess. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the, uh, uh, oh, the, well, we talk about it every time we do a podcast, what's going wrong with Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just the, yeah, it's yeah. the forever topic, because it's dying so slowly. We are going to do the mailbag. All of the mailbag material is on the site formerly known as Twitter this week, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, Look, you can say what you want about the terrible branding decision that's been made. Blaze your glory. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Blaze your glory. <laughs> but, um... You just told a... me, just before we started potting, that that was apparently the tagline of the new branded Yeah, if you, if you go to the App Store and look it up, uh, it'll say X by X Corp, and then... <laughs> X, the X by X Corp will then suddenly change and it'll say blaze your glory for the first fucking thing I thought of when you said that was the documentary that um, I watched this week about Ace Combat I don't know if documentary is the right word fan it's, pick it is a pure fan tribute that yeah. goes into some detail about 
most of the games in the Ace Combat series. And how cheesy and over-the-top dramatic and stupid everything about them is. And that, the tagline, Blaze Your Glory, should have been one of the taglines for one of the games. Yeah, the uh, the YouTuber, Tim, um, um, Tim, um, um? Yeah, it's three M's. It's got three know. M's, yeah. Uh, the central thesis of his mini-doc, no, it's an hour and 20 minutes. His documentary does seem to be that Ace Combat is incredibly dumb, and that's what's good about it. <laughs> and it is full of stuff. You know, all of the various weird things that, that people say in the Ace Combats. Yeah. Yep. Like, uh... Well, the one I was telling you about the other day, I don't think it was in the documentary, but there's a guy in the back... After a bomb lands on your base or something, you hear a guy in the back go, "Many injured." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the radio transmissions are incredible. <laughs> I just almost beat myself in the middle of that mission I was playing. Uh, and like, you never like you see your plane. You mm-hmm. don't have to. You could fly from the cockpit view, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, but you see the back of your plane, and so. There's always something distinctive about your your plane's paint job or something that identifies you as the hero of Ace Combat, whatever. Yeah. But you never really see it. But then you'll be flying over and someone will be like, is that a yellow stripe on that plane? On the, Just on the radio. <laughs> like someone just got on the horn and he's like, I think we're going to die. I think that's the, that's the ghost of Graham Glock. I think we're all dead. <laughs> And then you'll be like, that's me, I'm, I'm the ghost of Grimlock, the, and me, I, you guys are all fucked. The deep lore of this game, and what that's... So actually, I'm flying with uh, air-to-air missiles right now, so actually you guys down there are probably pretty okay, but... <laughs> but it's possible I'll hit the resupply line, and then you guys are yeah. fucked. If I, if I come back with bombs. If, if I exhaust all 175 of these missiles, you guys are in fucking trouble. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's, um... No one observes any... What you would think would be uh, military radio etiquette at no. all. It's just a lot of people saying their feelings on the air. <laughs> and it's very rare that you then hear someone say, get off this frequency. <laughs> I'm not saying it has never happened. I'm just saying it's very rare. It's rare. Yeah, most of the time they're like, I'd follow Trigger into hell. Like, Who are you saying this to? Who is this for? Yeah. I'm Trigger. Did you say it to me? That's a weird thing to say. Oh, it's, um, look, the hour and 20, we're not going to link to it or nothing. You can no. find it. It's great. I already said it was by Tim Amum. Yeah. And uh, it's, it is the latest video as of this recording. Sure. Uh, Blazer Glory. He captures, I don't know, 5, 5%, 10% of the wackiness of those games. Yeah, they're insane. They're fucking yeah. straight insanity. They're a weird fever dream. A weird Japanese fever dream. They're very Japanese. There's something yeah. so Japanese about the earnestness and the weirdness together. Also, everybody on the entire uh, world of Strange Rail does seem to speak the same language. Yeah. That's lucky. That, that is way, lucky. when the enemy comes on the radio... <laughs> well, you'll know it's the enemy because it'll be red. It'll be in red. It'll yeah. say something like... Is that ace pilot again? <laughs> We're in deep shit. <laughs> again, who is this for? <laughs> hey, guys, I can hear you. What are you talking about? Uh, the enemy does always have a morale problem, huh? Yeah, that's, well, yeah, because the uh, one of their enemy pilots has destroyed one like 1,500 airplanes in this fucking campaign so far. 
Anyway, blazer, blazer glory if you want to. Yeah. But here's the fucking, here's the thing that upsets me about this. For 270 episodes, we got on here and said, you could find us at on Twitter mm. at Brother Date. And that, that's the main way we've had engagement with people. And now, it, look, all right, everyone knows X is Twitter, and probably everyone's going to know that for a long time. Mm. But at some point, that's just going to be nonsense that we said. Because <laughs> either Twitter will be gone, or... I know. Yeah, and here's the deal. This isn't a forever podcast. This has a finite point. Yeah. This thing's going to end, okay? <laughs> well, I'm not planning on doing this forever. No, it only feels like it's forever. Yeah, that once we finish that last Star Trek episode, this turns into Pirate Night, or whatever else we're doing. <laughs> and uh, so it would have been nice if we could have had a uniform fucking mailbag. But... Um, you know, billionaires, man. Yeah, so we'll do the mailbag, and I will tell you how to find us on Mastodon and Threads um, for now, going forward. I'm not saying I won't read anything that comes into that other site, because it don't cost me nothing to have this account yet. <laughs> that's right. I was going to say, everything that's happened um, on stupid fucking Twitter um, has not stopped me from blazing my glory so far. <laughs> Like, I, to be totally fair, it has not affected me in one way. I never, when everyone was getting so mad about how they were getting throttled or whatever, it never happened to me once. I, I'm not that big a user. Like, I just, I check every once in a while, see what's going on with the, with the K-Paps or whatever, and I'm out. <clears throat> and um, the only thing that's bugging me is if other people that I follow leave. But I've never had one actual issue with the site. I just am constantly bombarded by the reports of people having issues with the site. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's fucking do it. Yeah. Mailbag by Brother Date. On July 19th, Ryan wrote, That's a good point. The newer shows are good about showing the banter and actions of the people who sit up front. The pilots. Uh, I don't know. Is that true? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people mouthing off whenever they fucking please. Yeah, but like they were doing that in 1988 and 89. Also, they just cut it out at some point it's like, well, when they were like, "Let's, hey, let's put Worf at the back." Oh, and now Jordy has his own office, and, and Wesley's uh, off he the ain't show. up here no more. Uh, we, uh, people don't like Wesley so much. Also, I got real mad at him because he wanted to go do a movie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm writing him out. So unless we come up with some zingers for uh, Ensign Raker or whatever her name is, yeah. Um, uh, we're not going to have much going on up front. They put Ro Laren up there, but by then Data didn't mouth off anymore. So it was like, yeah, there's just one person. I wonder if one time he leaned over to say something hella sarcastic and then just went, it's not the same. I don't seem to recall that nice boy Mayweather doing that too much, though. No, well, he would need lines for that. They never gave him yeah, any they lines. they didn't want to give him lines. <laughs> so he didn't get any of the cool banter at the front of the ship lines. Those usually went to Reed talking about how he wanted to do a murder or something. Yeah, and Tom Paris is all alone up there. Yeah, sometimes he'll make a snide remark to Tuvok because the racism can't wait till later. Yeah. He's got to get also, it out of his mouth right away. I guess I never thought about this, but does that mean that ship is asymmetrical? Because isn't he kind of on the right? I mean, he is. What's on the left? Uh, coffee cart? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> what kind of fancy Keurig do you think they got? Um, 
weirdly, it still costs them replicator rations. It's I think it's just a traveling replicator. Just oh. on a little brass it's cart. Probably less efficient than a wall one, huh? Yep, it takes more energy, actually. <laughs> Cause Dumb. Yeah, you gotta, because that battery's rechargeable, and I gotta plug that battery in at the end of the day and juice it back up. Uh, but it's it's brass, and it looks great. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes it. Everyone <laughs> likes the look of it. That's why it's there. She could they walk over to the, one of those nooks and get it, uh, get some fucking coffee, but the, the cart's classy. Every once in a while, Tom Paris is like, "What could we have a globe?" And then you open it, and there's whiskey in there, in like a little decanter. It could still be a replicator. I don't care. I don't care what it is. But uh, you know how she is with coffee, man. That's right. Yeah. Well, there's coffee in that nebula. Kevin gets what she wants. God, she probably said that, huh? I think that's a real thing. She I said. think she really said that. Ugh. Uh, that was back when they seemed to have energy problems, but that's been solved since they took aboard almost 90 pounds of uh, deuterium from the Silver Blood planet. <laughs> then they were good to go. No need to mention it ever again. That was all they needed. That's enough. Yeah. To get them all the way home or whatever. Also on the 19th, Ryan wrote, that Baron Zaya quest was a real pain in the ass. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, not, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if I've ever completed it without cheating. There's like... There's one that's in the Thalmor Embassy. And so it's like, you can only get it during that one quest. Yeah. Or if you, you know, use a bucket to defeat the physics of the game and shoot over the back wall or something. <laughs> right. That's yeah, the just... problem. It's like, if I could hold off on all of them, then I would do it systematically at the end. But yes. instead, what I do is I just kind of grab them as I see them. And then at the end, I'm like, I don't remember which ones I grabbed. And then you're like... Okay, I I need seventeen of the twenty four. I'm gonna like have to Baron go through Zion. here, and I'm yeah. gonna be looking for it. And I'm gonna be like, is it in here? Did I already take it? And the whole thing just seems like too much work. Because you know what you get at the end? Who gives a shit? You get a crown that does something. Yeah, I don't care. But don't it's something that, that you don't need to do by the point in the game that you've got the crown. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. By the time you get all twenty four of those things, you're already fucking a complete tank. It'll be like, oh, now. Um, I have a perk, and it means there's extra gems in chests, and then you're like, uh... I have infinite money at this I point. I have infinite money. My only problem is that I have to sell so much shit when I get back for so much I, There's not, There's nothing left for me to buy. I gotta buy more giant's toes to make potions of restoration so I can buff my alchemy so I can make better enchanting armor. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so I've I don't think I've ever completed it without just cheating and being like fucking mission accomplished. Console <laughs> command, mission accomplished. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, or you could do the thing I did and move the stones of Baron's Zaya to one into a special central hut. location. <laughs> yeah. Um Are they just sitting in a pile in there? Are they like how are they arrayed? Uh I don't I don't remember the specifics and I no longer have any of that mod data, but I probably tried to arrange them on bookshelves. Okay. And then I assume at some point I gave up and then probably put them all in a chest. <laughs> yeah, just put them in a chest. It don't matter. Yeah. Just say take all. Mission accomplished. Also on the 19th, Ryan asks, how old is Alexander now? 24? Nah, he's still eight. He's still eight at the maximum, I think we figured. Uh, Yeah, in the show, he never we never saw him older than that. Is he asking how old he would be? Like today? In today oh, yeah. Years, if a, they kept going? That's a good question. Well, he was born in like 1989? So he was born in season four, right? 
And no, so, no, she comes back in season. Yeah, she comes back in season. Mm. I'm trying to remember, she goes. She, she comes back in four, and he's like already walking and talking and shit. But he should be one because they do it in season two. Yeah, right. So, so season so three ish. Three. So eighty nine or ninety, right? Eighty nine or ninety. So yeah, he's yeah, about twenty four years old at this point. Thirty three ish 33 ish yeah 33 ish now if it kept going if the time worked the same way but we never saw him older than eight or whatever he was also i'm pretty sure we never see him again in universe oh no actually that is not true is he in the sto no yeah well yeah he is in the sto okay but I, i don't think that's canon um but we see him again once more in the next generation as a as, as a old, um, as an old Jatrell. time double of himself that I think maybe doesn't exist at the end. Yeah, as a weird old Jatrell. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he. I think the timeline gets warped around a little bit, so that version doesn't happen because Warp doesn't get assassinated. In STO, he dies, and uh, Michael Dorn is mad about that. <laughs> Michael Dorn's fucking mad about everything. I mean, that's kind of his main interaction with star trek is to complain about it right maybe he was a real complainer on set and that's why they gradually wrote him to be such a piece of shit because <laughs> he was always uh, complaining that they didn't have enough wharf like oh you want more wharf here you go wharf sucks this week again so does that explain what they did to everyone else on the crew too <laughs> yeah, i mean yes, the writers just really resented all of the actors and that's why they just got worse after season one so frakes became just a big fucking beef with they just made him just dumb as anything yeah supposed to be he fucking grapplers everyone in season one and then for the rest of the show he's fucking like some kind of probe <laughs> yeah. so this is is this a comedy this became a comedy uh that is the line that maybe epitomizes him mm, <laughs> i mean what is this is kind of yeah well, i mean the, the delivery of what is this is is certainly comical what is this? What is... <laughs> he makes such an our dad face yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the 20th, he wrote, Dax negotiated the Kittimer Accords? No big deal. Yeah, they just mentioned that in passing. In that yeah, episode. just comes up there. Yeah, the Kittimer Accords we've heard 1,000 times before. When Gowron fucking was shouting about how the Kittimer Accords were no longer valid or whatever, she didn't go, but I did that in the yes. background. <laughs> you can't do that. That's my life's work. <laughs> Well, Nothing at all. She doesn't cons- so she considers herself the Dragonborn, and yes, <laughs> she is the Archmage of the College of Winterhold, yes. and yes, <laughs> it, it's true. Uh, she is the um, all the other ones, the, the head the of 19- the Companions, and yes, also <laughs> the Harbinger or whatever. She's the Harbinger of the Companions. Thank you. Yeah, every title. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, she is. The- also, she killed the Emperor. But anyway, <laughs> she does mainly think of herself as the yeah, dragonborn. Yeah, the, leads the, the fucking Dark Brotherhood and the Thieves Guild, probably. I don't really yep. remember if you end up leading them. But, yep, um, yep. Yeah, all that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, they really do. It is a, a fantasy of advancement and ambition. It's like, everything I get involved in, I just end up the boss. Yep. No one seems to care that I'm off doing some other shit all the time. The Thieves Guild isn't mad that their boss is always off doing fucking Mage College bullshit. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, they're not. Uh, well, you know what it is, is uh, 
you got to manage the dragon board. He's a lot. He's a real Elon Musk type, and so <laughs> when his attention is focused on one of the other many guilds, you're actually of Tamriel, pretty, pretty happy It's with actually that. yeah, <laughs> things you know things just run a little more smoothly. It could be right. Maybe that's based on me always going around seeing how many NPCs I can kill. <laughs> Maybe that's why they feel that way. Well, there's a mod that'll let you kill them all. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying I, I like finding out which ones the uh, creators of the game decided. Consider essential. Essential. Sometimes they lose that flag when you finish their quest. Well, um, can you can you finish all the quests? Is it possible? I well, no. Because my I mean, list only ever gets long. longer. Yeah. <laughs> I just, Eventually, you like... end up with five or ten impossible quests just stuck on your fucking list. Oh, okay. Well, ignoring the broken ones because there's always going to be broken ones. But like, I'm I just. I don't know if I've ever gotten to the point where I'm like, I did it. I got all the quests done. I, there's always a list of like 40 quests where I'm like, oh, I still got to do all that shit. Well, there's some that are just, uh, you know, just the radial quest system throws on there. So, I don't even do those. I'm like, yeah. now, once I realize it, because I normally have to do a couple of them. I'm like, oh, well, they're just making me do this shit over and over again. I'm done with those. I don't, um, I don't go to the companions for work. No, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm busy. No. I have enough work. Thank you. I don't need to go fight a bear in somebody's house or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of bears. A lot of bear trouble. People always letting bears in their homes. I mean, sometimes it's an ice troll or something, but it is mostly bears. I mean, an ice troll you can kind of understand. They seem like they'd be pretty good with doors, but. <laughs> Fucking, why are you I don't somebody... know, man. Bears aren't bears aren't too bad. Bears are pretty smart, uh, I guess. But. There's lots of videos you can see on the internet of a bear opening someone's door and then looking in real confused. <laughs> yeah, man, they didn't know what was in there. Nah, they had no idea. Uh, on the 20th, Ryan wrote, Well, according to the ancient laws of our culture, if you mention me on the podcast, I must respond. Everyone else had a good time. There was poker, steak, cigars, gunplay, all of the classic elements of a good bachelor party. I feel like Judah enjoyed at least half. <laughs> Uh, yeah, listen, I said I thought everybody but me enjoyed themselves, and the only reason I didn't was because I had an abscess in my jaw. Yeah, that's not a fun time. What about also, cigars, though? Would that help? No. Okay. Not with, no, when you have an abscess in your jaw, cigars don't help. Okay. Steak, though? Mm, what about chewing steak's on a steak? not that great to chew on when you have, um, yeah, when you have a tooth problem. What about loud gunshots? Uh, I mean, that's the easiest of those things to deal with, for sure. Oh, well, I thought poker would probably be the easiest, but maybe not. Oh. Maybe eh, poker's are Well, problem. but, you know, you know I do my bit where I bite the chip to see if it's gold. <laughs> you just get it all the way back there and give it a good bite. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to use your molars. <laughs> uh, he, but the things he mentioned all do sound like, um, like stereotypical bachelor party things. Yeah. Those all sound like things that I could have guessed. Uh, a gunplay would probably even be in the top ten, I would say, of events, well, of things that you would do at a bachelor party. Would you have guessed that he had a number ten can of nacho cheese sauce and he wanted to eat it in the hot tub? Uh, for Ryan, I would have guessed that, yes. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, that way you get it nice and hot, which is how cheese in a can is supposed to be served. You know, I agree with that. Hot as shit. I keep mine out on the porch. <laughs> around here it gets very hot I bring it in and just man you better hope raccoons don't figure that out no man I'd hear that I'd hear that shit outside for sure they go running out there screaming about the raccoons alright 
Sorry, Ryan is literally tweeting at us right now. <laughs> you refreshed. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Um, on the 21st, he wrote, uh, I went there once just to look around. Is that a win? Um, at When he tweeted it, I was like, oh, I know what that's about. And I no longer remember. I'm going to give it to him. Play it. Ryan wins. Yeah. That's a good one. I wonder if he even remembers. Do you have a uh, do you have a PlayStation 5? No. I just wondered. I don't. Uh, I looked into getting them four or five, six times, and every time it was like, nah, I still can't do it, and I just stopped trying. I think you can now, but I have not. I would need uh-huh. a compelling reason, something I could play on it that I couldn't play on my PC or something. Yeah, it's Final Fantasy 16, and that's the reason <laughs> oh, I asked. Yeah, I'm never going to play that. Okay. The The Final Fantasies stopped being for me... At 10? At probably around 10. <laughs> I think 10. 10, I, I bounced off pretty good, and uh, 11 was some kind of online game or something yeah 11 was an online game i never played that and then 12 i didn't play at the time i ended up playing later for like three hours and then i was done i did beat 13 but i never went back to play it again because why yeah it was pretty on rails so you didn't really need to yeah and 14 is online and i never played that and 15 you got for me and i i gave it the old college try until the first camp sank <laughs> yeah but anyway i don't Listen. think i can play it I really didn't get much farther than that either. Yeah, it was tough. 12 and 15 ended for me in the same way, which is there is a bounty board. Mm-hmm. And you can there is a bounty on monsters. And it's if you turn it in, you can fight harder monsters. Yeah. And then I would fight about two or three of them. There and then hit one that was too hard. For you and, and me then was... instead of just going on with the main quest... I would just stop playing the game. <laughs> yeah, the mistake for you and me was just put one monster on there for now. Yeah. Something I can beat pretty easy. And then I'll go back to the board and I'll say, there are no more monster bounties at this time, and then I'll just keep playing. <laughs> yep, and I already heard from Heather Ann Campbell that she thinks the only hard part of the game is finding an s rank monster on the bounty board and going to fight it. Mm. And everything else is too easy for her. And so I'm like, well, so this game, when it eventually comes out on PC in a year or whatever... Uh, is going to have the same problem as 12 and 15. I will get caught up, I'll hit that bounty board, and I'll get completely sidetracked, and I'll stop playing the game. Yep, I just, they've never, I have not even had the urge to play them, to play any of the ones that have come out since 13. And I honestly, I think at the time, I was just like, yeah, I don't know, I got nothing better to do, I'll play 13. It wasn't like I was like, like I needed to play it. So yeah, no, that one's definitely not going to be the one that gets me a PS5 for sure. Also, um, and this goes the same for you, Pokemon, and it goes the same for you, Zelda. Uh, I ain't going to learn to cook in your game. (laughs) I ain't going to learn recipes that only exist in a game. Yeah. And you'll do a lot of side quests, too. That's coming from someone who will do side quests. Uh Uh-huh. You're talking to the guy who, in Grand Theft Auto V... Did run the thirty the thirty actual real life minute triathlon, <laughs> thirty minutes of fucking slamming X. It's so aggravating. Sorry, they, it's a thing so I was playing that on a PlayStation, so that, it was probably Square. But you know what I mean. That they would even allow that to exist is fucking yeah. aggravating. But yeah, I man. needed it to get the one hundred percent on that game. So I know you've done fishing in uh, 
Sea of Thieves? I have. So... That's yeah. the only way I can play Sea of Thieves without taking drugs, is to just go park and fish. Yeah. The sailing and running around is the, is definitely the part that makes you sick. Sitting there yeah. and fishing, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I find myself less able to do side quests as time goes on, uh, because my time becomes more limited as time mm-hmm. goes on. It's just like... Well, actually, here's what I need. I need to be able to access the core gaming experience as quickly as possible and be able to pick it up and drop it as quickly as possible. Um, because I don't know how long I'm going to have to play. And like, that's why I can't solo sloop even more than the fact that it's super hard to solo sloop. <laughs> yep. It's just like, it takes 10 minutes just to sail to an Island. Like I ain't got that kind of time, man. I got, <laughs> um, I might have to drop this game 15 minutes in. I need to, those 15 minutes to like be productive. Yeah, you need a you need to find the right roguelite for you, I think. Yeah, like I I'll play MLB the show cuz I just go in there with my created fucking baseball player and just do 10 at bats. And I'm done. I'm like, "All right, that was good enough. I got other shit to do." Um but yeah, it's it's hard to play games where I have to talk to townspeople and explore and uh fucking figure anything out anything i have to figure out i'm like i don't have time for this so yep not gonna live forever so you know let's start a project where we debate which star trek is the best (laughs) i get it that's one of the things i'm talking about that i have to do so i don't have time to play games just don't have time i gotta watch three star treks and then i gotta do a big pod about it uh also on the 23rd ryan uh retweeted what looks like a Facebook post, maybe. Mm. Shit, I don't know. From uh, July 23rd, 2012. So, basically, it was 11 years ago on that day oh, yeah. that said, I nominate Man of the People as the worst TNG episode. Mm. And then uh, our mutual friend Justine asked which one that was, and he said the one with terrible acting, writing, and special effects. I mean, it's fair. <laughs> now, it is not the worst Per the rubric. No, that doesn't count, though. No, it's definitely I... one of the 150 worst. After yeah. that, you're really just... It's way too fine to figure out which one's worse. Uh, yeah, no, it is comfortably... I need to resort you. I mean, it scored but It was a 15. It scored a 15. Unfortunately, uh, Time Zero scored a 14. <laughs> time zero part two time zero part two was so i mean that was a really bad one so uh it is merely the second worst episode by tied right. for second worst but i love that those are um two recent episodes we are not getting more charitable and the episodes are not getting better oh no so oh for sure they're not yeah um but you know it was the 500 and uh, 21st best episode of all Star Trek so far that we've reviewed so <laughs> yeah I mean look if Ryan wanted to make that claim I wouldn't fight him on it is what I'm saying I'd be like sure yes yeah. I mean that certainly yeah. has a claim yeah, if you told me that's that, a that point was the worst, worst one, on the I'd rubric go, okay but... yeah the one where the guy uses the magic rocks to make ladies both horny and old great yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be one of the worst ones for sure <clears throat> Uh, 
on the, also on the 23rd, uh, talking about, I, I think I accused him of having a fascination with AI. Mm. And he says, I just think it's fascinating. I don't think it's that good yet. It's great at generating poor first drafts of comms. Yeah. Which people then publish. Which people, I, I, here's the problem is that people think it's good. Yeah. There are people who think it is a finished, that the technology is, uh, has evolved to the point where you can use it that way and you should not assume that i get emails from people <laughs> trying to sell me shit and it says at the bottom which ai created it because I, I don't know if they have to legally put it in or what they're covering their ass in case it accidentally said something racist and they didn't even proofread it yeah and i just like i was like so you're just telling me i didn't read it i didn't make it i didn't look at it uh, the ai is sending you spam i asked a computer to write an email to you this computer said this is the perfect sales email, the one where I call you a big gorilla. <laughs> or whatever it happened. <laughs> whatever happened in that email. Yeah, man, I've blocked... <laughs> I keep getting the same one over and over again from a company that claims to want to work with my company. Uh-huh. To help sell porches. That's what they do. They sell oh, porches. Oh, cool. <laughs> I think you could help them with that. <laughs> I've blocked three separate addresses. And they still they still managed to get an email to me today from a fourth address. And at, at the bottom, it still says it was made by an AI. Will nobody help me to sell porches? <laughs> Please. I haven't sold a single porch. I've been spending all this money on AI. We need your help. These queries aren't free. I just uh, think they're not discerning. I don't know why the company I work for would be a good business partner for them. But... <clears throat> Uh, I have no idea what company you work for, and I like to keep it that way. That's fine. It'll change in six months anyway. Oh, I've heard you're a job hopper. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can uh, hop jobs as skillfully as I have. Uh, our buddy Half from New York wrote in, still having trouble with finding anyone on Mastodon. If you do put a link of it on your website, just remember to shout it out. Random comment about a past episode. When you take the time to grow food as a hobby, you will give them away at the first provocation. Oh, well, who? Uh, I don't even remember who we were talking about. <laughs> I don't know. It's about tomatoes, I think. Yeah, okay. Well. Well, uh, I did. When I got this tweet, I did put a link to our Mastodon okay. on brotherdate.com. So you can go there and click that and then uh, start the process of following us from there. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's impossible. I don't, I'm yeah. Amazon. I'm Amazon, Mastodon was a uh, a complete fucking mystery to me. <laughs> I just stopped even trying. Um, we are on the ten forward instance. Sure, ten forward dot social, uh, and it has good active moderation. Uh, there was an announcement today that uh, of two new Mastodon instances that he has blocked. <laughs> uh, one of them is social.bbc Ouch. which he uh, has blocked because the BBC has an institutional transphobia problem and has oh. platform transphobia <laughs> and he doesn't want to federate with them <laughs> take that the BBC so I believe you, that's true I just you know <clears throat> if for some reason your Mastodon instance well, is the BBC is social.bbc yeah, yeah. if you were like uh, I do like the BBC though yeah uh you will actually, you will not be able to follow us because we don't federate with you anymore. So, <laughs> Just a heads up on that. I do like the idea that you can be as closed off as you possibly fucking want to be. Yeah. I will not hear from anyone outside of this 
echo chamber that is uh, 104.social. But, like, uh, do they know how negative our podcast is towards Star Trek? It's a, it's a very good. No, no they're they going to boot us. They're fucking, if, yeah. if, if, the if first time to rhyme with listen, Kirk exactly. ever catches on to what we're doing. It's it, man. That's the end. If he hears what we had to say about blink of an eye. Oh, no, oh, wait, that no. won the week. If he hears I what I mean, it was we... the most embarrassing week win ever, but yes. I had to say about, <laughs> eh, let's say. Fairhaven? Fairhaven. <laughs> See, Fairhaven scored way better than blink of an eye, but I definitely remember it as a worse episode. Uh, Well, it had. It, it had Janeway doing that Irish accent. had a half Irish accent. It also had Janeway acting like an insane person. It How did, did it score it so did. many points? I guess it had a take. I don't remember what it was, but it had one. Uh, it's okay to fuck a hologram? I don't remember what the take was. Something about how you can't... You Hurry, can't, love? No, you just have to wait? No, that's... Uh, no, that's, Phil, that's the famous Phil Collins That's Phil Collins. Um, I'm, uh, something about how you can't create your lover. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't. You wouldn't want to change someone if you could, because yeah. then it'd be boring. There you go. Something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, they would kick us off. We are very negative about Star Trek. But soon, StarTrek.com. You'll be able to find all the episodes there. Uh, Ryan asked, "Is that your first ever triple take? Uh, you gave a complicated three-part take. Um, I wonder if it might be because I think in the past I might have given." points for three themes but i wonder if i've ever said there were three takes <laughs> by the way it was not a positive this time no no it was uh not <laughs> from a get, high scoring episode they didn't get extra points for their stupid triple take also on the 25th ryan writes at brother date it's like watching a slow moving train wreck and i don't mean star trek stuff oh he must be talking about twitter i mean i think he's talking about blazing his glory <laughs> <laughs> do you know a true ace Challenges even the sky. Uh I did know that, but only because I watched that documentary. (laughs) Man, imagine doing 20 minutes on Ace Combat 7 and not talking about the the twist at the beginning, which legitimately got me. That was the only really effective part of the game where you think, Uh I think I might have killed the president. (laughs) Yeah, and then it's like, huh. You know, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> then I, it was kind of on. just a big dogfight. It could have happened. When suddenly you're like in the prison squadron, because it's the, it's the most ace combat idea ever. Uh-huh. Um, you're like, oh, okay, no, this was part of the story. For like a second, you're like, I think I ruined the whole, I think I ruined the game. Oh, I have no. to restart I'm on the, the bad path. I'm or, in Colony Wars and I'm on the bad path. See, I was, I was never convinced they could have so much as branching paths. So I was like, oh, this the game isn't over. Like, they're not going to make me restart the mission. Okay, I didn't shoot him down. <laughs> but when the, for, just for that second, we're like, trigger shot down the president. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. That, oh, no. that UAV was real close to him. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> I just fired. I just fired fifty missiles, man. Normally, it's not a problem. You, you, you retweeted. <laughs> Do you want me to read the story about? Yeah, Lone yeah, Scum? Please. So I will just say that this is in response to a, a tweet from Lone Scum saying we should stop making our appliances so smart. Which, by the way, I agree with. I don't need smart sure. nothing. Yep. 
But yeah, uh, anyway, then, the, then whoever was tweeting this story said that it's because he doesn't understand how appliances work or whatever. Anyway, the story is uh, Elon comes down and he walks over to the breakfast bar and he picks up a package of Pop-Tarts, Thompson said. I don't know who Thompson is. And the funniest thing to me was the fact that most of us take Pop-Tarts for granted. He was transfixed. This was like a scene in a 2001 A Space Odyssey when the apes examined the monolith. It was clearly the most fascinating thing he'd seen that morning. Eventually, Musk realized that Pop-Tarts were best enjoyed toasted. So he opened a package and put two of him into the toaster only musk made the rookie mistake of inserting the pastries horizontally rather than vertically and when they popped back up he had to stick his fingers into the toaster to grab his breakfast <laughs> this was a problem and at about six in the morning musk proceeded to scream at full volume fuck it burns <laughs> fuck it burns two older ladies at the front desk nearby watched in mortified silence i like that he has pissed so many people off uh-huh. That all of the random stories of the dumb shit he's been doing just around the office all come out now. That's at six there's, in the morning. I assumed it was at a hotel somewhere. Oh, maybe, but um, there's like nothing he does that doesn't come out. Oh yeah, about what a piece of shit he is. And apparently, uh, toasters are pretty tough on him. Now, I'm not saying that that's not dumb, but I do have and keep by the toaster. A pair of toaster tongs. Mm-hmm. They set a, a small bamboo tong that you can use to retrieve something from the toaster. In case an item doesn't come all the way back up or is too small? Yeah, exactly. Like, in case you you want to make toast, but all you had was a, one of them long loaves of sourdough bread, mm. and you're down to the last couple of slices and they're not very big? Sure. You know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean, but the Pop-Tarts are purposely shaped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop tarts. <laughs> you can get pop tarts out. That's not. A, that's so not that tough. They come out the right way. Although, if your toaster slots are, I'm gonna say, long enough, and it's got a little too much bounce, uh, jump up, it yeah. can knock them over. That's true. That's true. You know, you seem like a real uh, company man now. You're defending Lone Scum <laughs> on this pop tarts thing. This is a real uh, a devil's advocate situation, but like. Nobody needs to defend him. He can't make pop tarts. Someone should put some toaster strudel in front of him. See what he thinks about that. I mean, I still haven't really figured out. This guy a little package of frosting. So, I'm pretty sure it's better without the frosting. But like, oh, it is. You know, it's a that's an item that is still confusing to me, at least. Oh man, remember the uh, toaster scrambles? Yeah, the nasty egg filled ones. Uh. Katie tried some of those recently. We saw them at oh, grocery no. outlet. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. But um, but she liked them, and now she looks oh, no. every time we go. Uh, <laughs> but they don't have them no more. <laughs> those were the last ones, and they were from 25 years ago. Yeah, they were old. <laughs> Maybe they got better as they aged. Could be. <clears throat> also, uh, one hour ago, you retweeted uh, Jose Canseco, mm. who said... Drago the cat, we will all miss you. I felt really bad for him that night. That was the night of the 23rd. Yeah. I knew he was suffering. (laughs) Because of the passing of Drago the cat. He named his cat Drago. He did not name his cat A-Rod. No. No, he would have abused it then, and he knew he didn't have the strength to to resist abusing A-Rod the cat. So... We got a little preview of uh, the rest of this episode here because also an hour ago you retweeted at No Context Trek and it's a picture of Jordy and Data in 10 forward and Data is saying, I can now look forward to death. That's right. 
and you tweeted how I felt about this week's Voyager. Yeah, really, I had a big problem with this week's Voyager. I mean, it's not the worst Voyager I've ever scored because I gave one a zero, but like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not going to get zero. I'm not going to talk gonna, you down to zero on this one. It's not going to get zero, but it's not going to get a lot of points. Um, uh, I I mean, I did a similar thing. I posted to the Brother Date Instagram a picture of Schmollis on stage as a clown. We'll get to it. <laughs> uh, is uh, that at Brother Date on Instagram? That's at Brother Date on Instagram. Okay. Uh, with the... Uh, my, my note on that is appropriate attire. Yeah, no, he's a fucking clown show, and he always is. And then 18 minutes ago, Ryan tweeted, Are you still here? Is this inbox still monitored? <laughs> and the answer is, yes, this time, but I'm say? not going to say how to do this anymore, so. That's right. You better think remember how to find us, Ryan. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says, you gave it a no-take uh, last week. Of course, we uh, you no-taked schisms yeah i couldn't come up with nothing but does nothing qualify for space is weird anymore space is weird is a no take yeah so that was what that was the first no take that was like that's worth zero point that's not weird shit in space is always a a zero from us that's not a a tv premise like what am i supposed to do with that i can't do anything with space is weird i don't live in space and i am probably not ever going to go to space so make doesn't matter to me uh and then last week um we got the whole gang together we got ryan we got uh, podcast <laughs> star trek correspondent remote star trek correspondent ben yeah he's uh, been from, on hiatus from 50 while. episodes ago yeah uh on and we played uh the first part of the sea of thieves monkey secret of monkey island yeah. tall tale and he said did i already tweet at you that I really enjoyed the Secret of Monkey Island, Sea of Thieves. Well, he is probably the only one who did, but that's because he actually played the Monkey Island game. <laughs> yeah, or he games. knew about as much of what we needed to do from remembering playing that game. <laughs> I'm gonna say 30 years ago, and that maybe it was only 25, but you know what I mean. Yep. Uh, as we did just reading a walkthrough on our phones. So, I lost it was me. for him. There you're back. You're back. Yeah, well, through the magic of uh, recording both sides, I will never have been gone. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I got badly motion sick. <laughs> and uh, Ben, I think, said before we logged off that it, that was a shitty time. <laughs> and I don't know how much you liked it, but I definitely got the feeling <laughs> that because he liked Monkey Island, that this was Ryan's jam. You know, we made sure to invite Ben because mm-hmm. he... I I went to dinner with Ben and his family a couple a few weeks ago, and he, Katie told him, well, it was supposed to be his Sea of Thieves night with Matt, and he got a little upset that we were still doing it and not inviting him. What? But that was because we thought he hated the game. Yeah, I mean, he'd say, he, I think he said it. That's why I think he said it. he hated the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we made sure to invite him, but it does seem like he didn't have a good time. So. No, I don't blame him. I mean, that was. It was rough. It was like 15 uh, riddles or puzzles that we had to figure out in this fucking dark-ass town. and Four people no... running around, and only one of them had to do anything at any given time. <laughs> there was no uh, uh, pirate ship battles or digging up of treasures or any of the pirate stuff. It was all just like, hey, man, 
Do you remember Monkey Island? And I fucking don't, man. Yeah. I don't remember it. Um, hey, you want to do? Hey, you want to do a tall tale about something that I remember? Do Snake Rattle and Roll. I played that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It would just be like, now you got to go talk to Red Snake, and you'd be like, oh, I remember that guy. You got hey, you got to weigh enough to make the scale go up, or the door won't open, and you can't leave. The snake has to have enough fucking little segments segments to be heavy enough to get to the next section. That yeah, we could totally do that. Um. I haven't gotten motion sick playing that game since like the second time we ever played. And uh, I think it was just the running back and forth in that dark ass town over and over again all night. I was so sick by the end. Yeah, that one was tough. I was all drugged up for it, so I made it through okay. But I did not enjoy doing the game. There were times toward the end where, I don't know, we were listening to an NPC say something. And if you guys had seen me, I was (laughs) slouched over with my eyes closed. (laughs) just waiting for this fucking thing to be over like breathing hella heavy you know that breath you do when you're trying not to throw up uh-huh. you're just like <gasps> more air and then uh, the, the oh air. it's more air for you because for me i put my hands over my nose and mouth oh and man, no it makes the air know. hot and for some reason that helps <laughs> i don't know why we all have our own, our own things there's do. also a spot like just above my diaphragm, where if I put a little heat and pressure there, I feel better. I don't oh, know. Wow. Oh, yeah. For me, uh, I need deep breaths, lots of deep breaths, and then I can, uh, I can usually get get through it. You know, your mouth gets all saliva, and you're like, uh huh, oh. <laughs> like, hey, you can your mouth can really flood with saliva out. when you're when it just knows. about to puke. When it's like uh, a lot of bile is gonna come up now. I, I got to protect everything in here. Yeah. <laughs> The, yeah. the stuff that's going to come up now is powerful. <laughs> so, anyway, I was in uh, Dire Straits by the end. So Yeah. So oh, anyway, it brought Dire Straits play... to everybody's environment, for sure. <laughs> yeah, next time we play, let's... Uh, we'll stay away from that. Let's stay out on the, uh, on the Sea of Thieves itself, I think. Uh, maybe I'll jump in and just sloop it with Ryan when the next monkey island tall tale comes out in the next month because i'll take drugs and i'll be able to do it and it seemed like he really enjoyed it so maybe i should uh try some of these drugs which you yeah. speak yeah, um, yeah yeah i don't take enough drugs just in general so I yeah probably try uh, well, hey i will tell you this if you take the original formula dramamine at mm. let's say six thirty, mm-hmm. your time which is when i take it when you get off from playing sea of thieves at 10 p.m you're very drowsy it's extremely easy to fall asleep. All right, well, that's good. Because normally I do the opposite. Um, just do cocaine all day. Oh. Yeah. That way I'm just, like, really ready to go, and I don't get too tired, you know, because it goes late for me. That's uh, why your uh, Xbox gamer tag is Dr. Roxo. That's right, yeah. And um, uh, and I lift all the weights, too. And that's how I prepare for the podcast, too, actually. So cool. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Well, we're 53 minutes in and we're still oh, in the mailbag, we did so a I'm bad guessing job. your pump has worn off Yeah, by we now. did a bad job. I'm going to get to the part where I've talked about DS9 and it's just going to be flat. <laughs> uh, that is the end of the mailbag. If you want to have your comments read and discussed in two weeks, uh, you can th- thread us at BrotherDate on Threads. Okay. Uh, you can go to BrotherDate.com, click the word Mastodon in the header and uh follow us on mastodon on 10 social unless you're uh you know on the bbc or some other uh transphobia site yeah yeah exactly uh before i switch back to my own 
Twitter account, uh, I did get a chance to see that Jew York was trending. And uh, <laughs> just a reminder, just put your location as Korea. Well, I'm going to say two worlds collide because trend, uh, trending on my sidebar is Jisoo. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just confirmed she was in a relationship with an actor. but um, <laughs> So she's also trending in South Korea. But at, at least then it's in Hangul. So you, if you don't want to read it, you don't really have yeah, to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but anyway, just a reminder, uh, when I- everyone put yourself in Korea. And uh, so the trending topics aren't immediately triggering. <laughs> the legacy of doing the entire Duolingo Korean uh, program for me is that when I see Hangul, I do try to sound it out. That's oh, what's too. left. That's I all do. I've got left. If That's I see some exercise. Hangul somewhere, I'm like, huh. That's I, it. I often do look over here and I go, oh, mask, mask, cur, mask, cur. And then I go, what the hell does that fucking mean? What's a mask, cur? And then it takes me a long time to figure out what the fuck it actually means. I may never figure it out. It looks like yeah. it's some Netflix show. Anyway. <clears throat> Uh, let's actually do the fucking podcast i guess there's nothing for it but to but to do the podcast uh we're discussing the episodes from week 131 uh last place last week though there was only a single point in it yeah was tng so we're gonna start by discussing true q still in the era of playing musical clips for the last place show what could we think of for true q oh all right uh uh spando ballet uh yeah that would have been a good one do they have Um, another song because sometimes i liked to be oblique about it uh not that i know of i think they released one single and no b-side and then they that was it spando ballet Yeah, I don't think it's a good sign that the only thing that it auto-completes is true, and then members, true lyrics, meaning. Just the uh, meaning of Spandau Ballet. How about uh, just that episode of Modern Family? Ah, yeah. Where, uh, what's his name? Edward Norton? Ed Norton played the bassist for Spandau Ballet. <laughs> yeah. But, so, but then I would have to go look it up, because true by Spandau Ballet wasn't the song he really liked, it was something else. <laughs> yep. What was it? That was maybe the best episode of Modern Family. Uh, well, I think I saw every one. I think I eventually did, too, and I can't say I enjoyed the process. But anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, again, we're now 57 minutes in, so <laughs> okay, maybe I'm this sorry. isn't the best. I've already played the theme for True Q. I, I will say that I think that there will be... In the future, you will watch these shows and you will be able to date them in time based on the fake documentary premise after the success uh, of The Office. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Enterprise. Oh, hang on. Enterprise is picking up relief supplies for Tagra 4 or Tagra 4 at Starbase 112. It's another Hanhan situation. It is. And Picard wants everyone who reads his log to know they've taken on a rather unusual passenger. <laughs> but it's just, a te- he doesn't say who in the log. No, it's a tease. He's teasing Starfleet Command, I guess. It's really good. I like his log. Sometimes he's just like, and here's what Wesley's up to this week. <laughs> yep. It's very good stuff. It makes way more sense when it's Dr. Crusher's personal log. 
future historians, and I want you to note that Riker is down <laughs> on the planet. Well, it's hard to see. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you want me to play that? Uh, yeah, no, yes, always. Okay. Always. My first officer has taken an away team down to make contact, and they are in the process of returning to the ship. The Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us. He's very enthusiastic. Captain. Sorry, Troy. The doctor has something very important to tell you, Captain. You've been talking about it for days. Shore leave for the crew. I All really right. missed the dialogue monster. <laughs> we got that one in the can. Let's move on to the next one, guys. But I'm going to play it again because although that's the 80th time I've listened to it, I noticed something new this time, which is the music cuts off the second Crusher interrupts. <laughs> My first officer has taken an away team down to make contact, and they are in the process of returning to the ship. Riker says the planet's life forms are almost identical to us. He's very enthusiastic. Captain. <laughs> Sorry, Troy. The doctor has something very important. I have no idea if that'll come through, but... That serene uh, music was uh, just to play behind mm-hmm. the nice conversation that Picard and Troy were having. And then uh, they should have put a record scratch sound. That's in, right. They, uh, they would to. have if it were Lower Decks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We still haven't talked about this episode. Right. It's impossible to tell why Picard is excited about their rather unusual guest, because as far as we learn in the next scene, it's just a smart teenage girl. Yeah, some kind of work-study program or something. Yeah, her name is Amanda Rogers, and she did real good on the star t- the star exams. Sure, exactly, star testing. Yeah. And, uh, and she's going to be here working as an intern, presumably unpaid, <laughs> uh, for Dr. Crusher. And they're all gathered up in the ready room. Yeah, man, in the past, what you got for that was a governor's scholarship that you could spend at any university in California. Uh Uh-huh. But now they send you straight to the Enterprise. Uh Uh-huh. They put her on a battleship. Yeah. Um, She talks to Picard and Crusher, and then Riker walks in, and Picard has him escort her to her quarters because he is dumb. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's because he's sexless himself, right? Yeah, he is apparently, somehow, still unaware of the sexual threat that Riker represents. <laughs> Even though Riker deploys it in front of him all the time. All the time, and other members of the crew will say things like, I believe that she thinks she was raped by you. Just, just, I just, I will never, on my deathbed, I'll have a weird flashback to the scene in Up the Long Ladder, sure. where Riker is standing right next to his boss mm-hmm. in Cargo Bay whatever, and she says, have you never seen a woman? And he says, I thought I had. <laughs> season two, he was really on it. I mean, that was the same season when he said, like hell, you're a damn thief. <laughs> like hell, you're a damn thief. He was extremely confident about his crazy replies. Do you think when Picard was doing Riker impressions for Vash in that cave because they didn't fuck, um, but he, you know, like he did a bunch of Riker impressions all night? All night. Yeah, it was very entertaining. Uh, do you think he did, like, hell, you're a damn thief, or did he mostly restrict no, he was, it to some I'd... kind of satellite? <laughs> no effect. No one even says anything in that scene. No one no one replies to him or looks at him. Everyone's like, No, they've learned you don't have to. We fucking know. Everyone knows there was no effect. He'll still be your bro and propose something dumb in the next meeting so you can come in with the save. He's a team player always, for sure. Maybe that's why no one says anything to him. They know he's a team player. 
Well, they do some small talk, and this teenage girl tells Riker she misses her dogs, and she had three dogs, and she wanted more. And he he's like, all right, I gotta go. And when he leaves, she turns around, and there's nine puppies in her quarters. Yeah. She banishes them to the X-Zone, just like Janeway's boyfriend. <laughs> and then we go to credits. Yeah, she deletes a lot of dogs that day. Uh... After the credits, Amanda goes to help Dr. Crusher test out tricorders and explain to her that she's an orphan just like Wesley. No offense. Mm. Uh, then she takes the tricorders down to the shuttle bay. Uh, they can't beam down to Tagra 4 because this don't matter in any way. But this planet, it's real polluted. And rather than stop the pollution, they just spend even more money trying to clean the air. Yeah. And they got these barostatic filters, and that's the problem. That's why they can't transport. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I we mean, get f- five seconds of commentary about, isn't that dumb? Barjan and I did look at each other and go, fucking god damn it. <laughs> like, even 30 years ago, people were just, You're just tapping about, on us all the time. It hadn't been even two weeks since you'd seen a thing that says, Biden administration reluctantly begins looking into ways to shade the planet. Just like, just knows there's just no chance that we're ever going to get our act together and we're going to have yeah. to try to out tech it somehow. And the people in this show are like, what kind of society would do that? Uh, you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. You're all this one, man. That's me, pig man, Orn Lote. <laughs> I'm the pig man. I'm the pig man. I admit it. <laughs> Well, she's checking out Commander Riker again. He's gone to stand in a corner and talk to nobody. And um, while she's looking at him, a ghost pushes a heavy case off the railing above him, and she has to whisk it away with her finger, bewitched style. Yeah, Riker almost gives a what is this at that moment. Uh-huh. Um, that startles everybody, but I guess not for too long, because we, then we see Jordy walking Amanda Rogers down to engineering, and all of a sudden there's a warp core breach in progress. And it blows before Jordy can even get the door down. Maybe because this time he was on the other side, so he wasn't going to get to Indiana Jones under it. Right. But Amanda Rogers fixes that explosion with her hands. She does another hand gesture and fixes the whole warp core explosion. Yeah. Picard holds a little meeting in the conference room without her, where Dr. Crusher says, Ah, man, she's human. And um, But here it is. Q flashes in. Mm, and he tells them that the reason he tried to blow up their ship is because he needed to be sure that Amanda was a Q uh, and that her parents were playing human, off playing human, and had a baby. And no one knew if this baby was going to have Q powers, but clearly she does. And now he wants to take her away to the Q continuum and teach her how to be a Q. Mm. Crusher starts piping up about he has no right. And Q has had enough of that. It's um, the first time he expresses frustration with her in this episode. <laughs> he whisks Picard out of there so they can talk privately in his ready room. You know, I don't think Q and uh, Beverly Crusher have had a lot to do with each other so far on the show. Uh, but she did kind of position herself as his arch enemy in this one. It is It is true. Um, well, it's because Guinan's not around this week. Yeah. Uh, do you think... We'll see when we get to Tapestry, if this comes up at all. But do you think Q ever tells Picard at any point, you know, people who aren't trying to fuck her, uh, don't put up with some of the stuff that you put up with. <laughs> I want I you to think he... about that. 
Yeah, I hope he tells them that. That that definitely does happen off screen. Although, as you and I have discovered in this watch through, she's basically always right. Yeah, she's just so aggravating, though. That's the worst part. It's much more aggravating when you know the person's always right. Yeah. Then they get to do insane shit, and you just have to go, all right, I guess. So, you know, you remember that time Bashir bragged about how they'd cured that other plague in four hours, so I'm sure they'll be able to take care of this one, and you're just going, fucking goddammit. Yep. Like, oh, they did do that, though, so. Yeah, he did, apparently he did cure that plague, so. so I guess he gets to say this outrageous shit. Well, he's going to get his comeuppance this week. I mean, not really. <laughs> not really, though. He's still going to cure it pretty quick. Um... Q wants Picard to convince Amanda to trust him, which is laughable on its face. But then he makes this, it's like a weird co-parenting argument where he wants to present a unified front. Mm. And for some reason, Picard like kind of goes along with it. Yeah, I don't know what's in it for Picard, but he does do this. I think the only thing I could think of that uh, that might be in it for Picard is the less time Q is here, the better, the happier I will be. I mean, that is that is definitely true. He is full of tricks. But Picard insists the choice is going to have to be hers. But then Picard asks Data to dig into what happened to her parents on the sly. Because Q has fucked off to somewhere else. He's not popping his head out and going, I heard that or anything this time. Sometimes you can just talk about him behind his back. <laughs> All the time, it seems like. Yeah, he's... Uh, there's a, some talk in this episode about how they're omniscient. Anyway, it's a thing he says a lot that has no no. There's no factual evidence for yeah. that. Um, meanwhile, Amanda has gone to talk to the ship's real counselor, Beverly Crusher, mm-hmm. uh, who I guess has uh, caught her up to speed on the trial of humanity and everything. Sure, one presumes she agrees to meet Q. He starts asking her what powers have manifested and handling her roughly. Yeah. And then announces she's ready to return to the continuum, but she doesn't want to go. And she throws some other guy in a red uniform up against a wall and breaks a vase. And then Q sits down real hard. This scene confused me. It was a confusing scene for sure. It was as confusing as any TOS scene. Um. And that must have been so funny to Picard that he pissed his pants because in the next scene he's changed to his open jacket uniform. <laughs> I don't know why he changed uniforms. No time passed. He's, it was time. He's like, um, he's on the clock, you know what I mean? When it gets to five o'clock, he switches into his casual attire or whatever. Pat Stu has a thing in his contract about how many hours he shoots in wool and how many hours he shoots in his sweatpants. <laughs> Um, they just have the same discussion about how she's going to have to agree to go with him. So this is wasted minutes. And we cut back and she's talking to Beverly again about how she wishes she didn't have to deal with this. But like, tough shit. It's Q or nothing. No one mentions Corbin Burnson at all. No, uh, there was this other Q one time. I don't know if he was any better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, on, actually we didn't see him now that i think about it there's we don't know about him at all he just that was just in a shuttle that only q was in he seemed like maybe he was like a frat guy that never grew up just <laughs> the feeling i got from that other q it wasn't good or maybe he's like a young version of the dad in psych hard maybe. to say yeah <clears throat> they agree that she's going to go on with her internship and she says she doesn't want to be treated any differently then we cut to a student film 
where a shadow appears on the wall mm. and says, Your progress, Q. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. Good, 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 good. And Q says, there's a possibility we won't have to terminate the girl. And we get sinister music to credits. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, uh, we've seen the Q a lot so far, and I ain't never seen the Shadow Man. No, so. we've seen him as a ball of three snakes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> then also as mostly human looking, but now yeah. a big shadow. Big Shadow Man. Yeah. Uh, Q goes to Amanda's quarters, reluctantly rings the doorbell, tries to start over with her. She asks, you know, what their whole deal is. He says, we're omnipotent. And we believe in nothing, Lebowski. Yeah. He tries to get her to name something impossible she's always wanted. And it turns out she wants to see her parents. And he just keeps saying, so do it. Until she manages to evoke the memory of them. Yeah. Again, he does not yell at her, go over the top or anything. No. (laughs) Just do it. Um, she goes to work on a little biology lab experiment with Crusher so she can talk again about how seeing her parents has affected her, how she could maybe even bring them back for real and what would Crusher do, etc. Mm-hmm. And then Crusher walks out and Q pops in and he convinces her to use her powers to speed up the experiment. Yeah. And it's now, like she, it's like she hadn't really given any thought to like what experiments are and what they're for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Crusher told her specifically what she was trying to test, but she wasn't listening. She was nah. thinking about puppies and her dead parents. And she's got look. She's had a big day. She might be as old as thirteen. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just go easy on her, I guess. Well, I, now I will say this: they didn't put her in a Marissa. They did I not mean, put her in a Marissa. They did put her in a Marissa with a translucent smock over it. Does that <laughs> does that help place her age? Also, I think they had her in ballet flats or something. Yeah, I'm just going to say there was a lot of coding in this. Um, Well, I'll just read right from my quick hitters. Riker knows 100% that this girl is flirting with him in sickbay, and I'm glad he does not take the bait because I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but there's a lot of coded stuff in here that makes her seem pretty young. (laughs) She's like, wants to play with puppies. She's always wearing pink. She doesn't know how to flirt with guys. Always talks about her dead parents like Jake. She She thinks Jane Austen's pretty romantic. Yeah, she could be 15 in this fucking show. Who knows? So, anyway. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, at this point, the B-plot rears its ugly head, mm. and the Tagrants call because, in addition to their plague, their barostatic filters are also acting up, and um, they need Jordy's help, too. Also, in the C-plot, Data has discovered information about Amanda Rogers' parents, <laughs> specifically that their home was destroyed by a freak tornado, and that sounds suspicious to Picard, and he says, keep digging. Yeah. Yeah. Riker goes down to find out what nutrients to use to keep the bacilli in stasis, a thing that definitely sounds like his job. Yeah, this is something you want Riker to pass along. This is a question that Riker needs to deliver. I think he has put himself on shuttle duty. And that's why he's doing this, and that is because he wants off this ship with the horny 13-year-old girl. Because it's too dangerous for him. It's it's tough for him. It's <laughs> going to keep coming up. He could get in hot water a little bit. He don't want no part of this. He's He's been burned before. He doesn't want to be in a holodeck doing a he, shit, he said, she said again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then have Troy sitting right there next to him. You know, his lifelong partner just mm-hmm. going. I don't know. Uh, I mean, she's, she's not lying. She, I'll tell in you her this, head, she ain't lying. 
her head, you guys did a lot of sex, and she is definitely <laughs> underage. So, huh? Well, she's not lying. I don't know what to say. Well, I'm Bean Bill. <laughs> does that does that soften the blow? The thing I just said. If I call you Bill, is that easier to, to yeah. hear what I just said? Well, he goes down to find out what bacilli, what what nutrients to use, and Amanda Rogers is obviously attracted to him, which Q is as grossed out about as I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Q didn't say, "Hey, that's my dad. Knock it off." Sure, like we said at home. Yeah. Uh, Crusher comes in and says, "Well, this experiment was useless and has to be redone," yeah. and she starts arguing with Q, and he turns her into an Irish setter for funsies. Yeah, it's, Marjan was very offended watching that uh, scene. It ain't great. <laughs> but, I mean, Q's a bad guy. He's supposed to be he bad. He is a bad guy. But still, Marjan was very offended. Yeah. Uh, back on the bridge, Data tells Picard that the tornado sure was odd. It, um, I don't know, it was too big, and it was the only storm in the area or something. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere and did a whoopsie on our house. Yeah. Uh, Q asks Amanda if she's been practicing her teleportation, and when she says she's having trouble with it, they play hide-and-seek all over the ship, popping in and out of places and hiding in the warp core and whatever. Yeah, she seems like she's doing fine. Yeah, eventually they end up down on the rear wing, outside. Uh, Q asks her if she understands now how dull living as a human would be, and uh, (laughs) if she doesn't, well, she's going to dinner with Crusher and Troy tonight. Mm. So she's in 10-4 with them. Riker walks in and says hi, but he's on a date with someone maybe 18 months older than Amanda, which must be confusing. Yep, and also uh, exactly 10 feet from Troy. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Just getting his date on directly in front of her where she can view it. Ah, Crusher, too. They fucked. Yeah, that's true. He was Odin at the time, but he remembers it. I'm sorry, I I, I know I said Odin and not Odan. (laughs) He definitely remembers what that bush looks like 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Hey, do you think their sexy time started in her pajamas with her bow in her hair and everything? Yeah, she said she had to get ready. She was going to slip into something more comfortable, and she came out in her fucking seven-year-old's pajamas. Oh, man. That's tough. That was what it was like in the 2340s when she was courting Jack Crusher, and she's been out of the market for, you know, off the market for a while. Yeah, she has not freshened up that particular look. Yeah. Uh, I lost my place in my notes thinking about that. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's very distracting. Well, she can't stop watching this date that Riker's on with this lady that's too young and maybe a civilian, or maybe she just didn't wear her uniform to her date. Yeah. Uh, and so she steals him away to some Jane Austen gazebo, but he ain't into it because she is a child and that is not his deal. Mm. So Also, she gave him too big a hat. She gave him kind of a ridiculous hat and an old-timey outfit, but the lining of the waistcoat was one of these future materials. So <laughs> she did the costume department wanted to make sure they knew that they made a new outfit for him. Look, man, this is all just... She's just imagining it. She don't know what they looked like back then. Yeah, that is true. She thinks they all wear carpet as uh, clothing. <laughs> so she uses her powers to make him into her, but we already did a whole episode about this called Fairhaven, and that ain't no good. Yep. So as soon as they kiss, she's like, ah, that wasn't right. Oh my that God, she it. figures it out so much faster than Janeway. She does. So much faster. Yeah. Janeway, look, there's no need to talk about Fairhaven anymore, especially because we have spirit folk coming up. But <laughs> it's the moment Janeway heard herself say, delete the wife, she should have said, mm. 
actually, I can't go You know back what? To do what you want. Ever again. <laughs> yeah, do what you want. I'm going to go, uh, I don't know. Computer, just make me a, just the, what's the best vibrator, computer? <laughs> From this or any planet. That's right. Uh, Picard asks Q how Amanda's parents were treated when they left the continuum, and whether they were executed. They were. And Q lays it out. Amanda has no choice. If she's Q, she's going back to the continuum. If she's human, she's going back to Earth. If she's a hybrid, she dies. And, uh, the jury's still out, but, uh, she's got powers, so it ain't gonna be Earth. Yeah. Uh, does he explain why she dies if she's a hybrid? No, it's, I mean, it's uh, just pure eugenics, I assume. Okay, because no one, no one explained that part. <laughs> there's lot, if we're playing Theory Corner, there's lots of ways to think about it. Again, I have said all along that all of Q's behavior seems like it could be explained by the idea that the Q continuum is afraid of humanity because yeah. they're close. Sure. Or they got phasers. But I mean, if you can just pose as a human as a Q anyway, what's the difference between a hybrid and a... And yeah, a well, yeah it's a very a good question. I don't, I don't understand. Anyway. Um, Picard gathers Crusher and Troy and lays out the stakes. They decide that they need to tell her. Meanwhile, in the dumb B-plot, Riker and Geordi and the Tagrin engineer Orn Lote head down in a shuttle. Q and Picard and Amanda have a showdown about morality. Q reveals that they'll give Amanda the same choice as her parents. She can forswear her powers and live as a human, which she jumps at immediately. But also immediately, there's an emergency message from Riker, because the reactor they're trying to repair is about to blow. Yeah. Um, Q disclaims this is his work. And um, looks like this is going to be a series wrap for Billy Boy. And also, Jordy, he's down there, too. Yep. But no, Amanda Rogers fixes the reactor and removes all of the pollution from the atmosphere of Tagra 4. She flashes Crusher up to the bridge and tells everyone she's a Q and she's got to go. Yeah. Is this one about Matt? <laughs> yeah, all right. Hey, uh, it's wrong to take shortcuts in life. That sounds... Like some old school moralizing, but um, I think that's what it was about. Like she could make Riker love her, but that's not getting her wet. And like <laughs> she could save time on this experiment, but that's not how experiments work. And like she saves this planet full of bozos who polluted their planet like complete clowns. <laughs> but that means she has to go live with Q. So you get it. No shortcuts. No uh, shortcuts. At least that's a take. I gave it a four. All right. Um, I do see that take. I thought this was um, an even more watered down version of a harsh reality is better than a pleasant <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> well, you we haven't seen that one in a long time. Oh, wait. Um, Constant. But like, if the harsh reality was omnipotence and giving up the life you'd pictured yourself having for as much as maybe two and a half years. Sure. There's just no new ground this week. Like, this is a worst, a worse version of Q tempting Riker with powers. Q yeah. who? Which one was that? Uh, Deja Q. Q. Deja Q. Hide and Q. Hide and Q. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a lot. Of, they're not even wordplay. They're just putting Q into random sentences. <laughs> it's nothing. They're all nothing. Hide yep. and Q. <sighs> 
true Q, you know, like um, like a true true blue, true Q, true Q. <laughs> 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 um, like that ain't worth much. I gave it a three. Okay. Uh, well, how did it do though? Um, well, the tone of this one's weird. Q is super jocular as always, but also maybe he's going to kill this teenage girl. Yeah. Also, she there's a Shadow Man. Uh, yes, and the, also the Shadow Man. Yeah, that's not, that's not funny about that. I mean, except the whole execution of it. Um, She gets into Riker for no good reason, and he makes no attempt to explain anything to her. Nah, man. He's like... It's like he thinks she should be beyond this already. Like the, she should know this is a dumb crush and and not and not have it, but like clearly she does. But yeah, maybe man. maybe say something about it. She uh, she's old enough, man. So you gotta <laughs> set her straight. <laughs> uh, the stakes of the mission Enterprise is on change from a plague to an exploding reactor. And they set up a message about cleaning up after the harmful effects of industry rather than regulating them away, but ultimately they don't have anything to say about that. No. They set up the temptation to use the powers angle with three minutes to go, and she immediately uses them before yeah, even instantly exploring the consequences of not using them. Mm-hmm. Like, Riker had to see a dead little girl or something before he snapped, right? Yeah, and then he went up to the ship and said, I'm using them. Everyone enjoy all my cool gifts. What? I don't know anything about you. And that was like at least a third of the episode. Was that Or if you wanted two women, people. right? <laughs> it's the scene where he gave everyone gifts. It was a third of the episode. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you, my blind friend. I know what you want for, sh- for sure. For sure, Z's. You want to um, be able to look at Tasha Yar. <laughs> the sexiest <laughs> woman in the galaxy. Uh, do you think he left the bridge because she died? Like, oh, it took I'm... a while to get the transfer approved and everything. Sure, maybe. Maybe that's why. Like, you know what? I've had enough of sitting on the bridge while people die. <laughs> um, Amanda Rogers doesn't seem to have anyone from her life back on Earth to talk to about this. Instead, she just has this surrogate mother relationship with Crusher and also Troy is there. Yeah, she literally at the end is like, I'm going to have to explain this to my parents. Her, you know, her foster parents or whatever. Yeah. But like, she's, at the end, she's like, "I guess I should tell my parents about this." But I like, guess I could have been talking to them about this all along. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't bother to call them. Do you think Picard was like, "Listen, this Q stuff is classified, so uh, keep it." I can't hands. stop you from knowing about it, but you cannot tell anyone on Earth what's happening here, and so I guess you're gonna have to figure this out with Doctor Crusher. Yeah, fuck, maybe. And then, of course, there's the shadow that talks to Q. Uh, this whole thing is amateur hour, and I gave it a one. Yeah, well, look, um, this week you has a cartoonish shadow boss. Stakes are low this week, huh? This is filler season for real. Here's where I ask, is Q supposed to be perving on her, or is that just John Delancey's secret sauce? Because <laughs> he's, like, he whispering her in her lot. ear yeah. and, like, grabbing her and stuff. It's uh, a real creep fest, but I don't know if that's just, like, his thing, you know? Maybe he did he film uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle 
around this same time where he plays a pervert doctor in that right so one just bleeds into the other like yeah, he suddenly just, is like he's got pervert energy from filming that movie but then in that movie on set they kept having to like redo the scenes because he would uh get, make a sarcastic joke or something and they'd be like that's not that's nothing that's not your character what are you doing uh yeah hey uh i don't see in the script the stuff about a deadly game so you know for interest sake just just uh, uh you know That's not the word. games did someone say games and perchance for interest sake a deadly game very good stuff what a clown um I, I, like I said here, I didn't understand what the Q were so worried about. Why would her being a hybrid mean she has to be executed? I don't think he explained it, and that doesn't help the story make more sense. He just says it, and everyone goes, oh, that's a bummer. Uh, again, this lady didn't last one space minute without using her powers, because they ran out of time in this episode. So just as soon as they're like, you can't use your powers, literally fucking 15 seconds passes, and they go out there and she has to use them. It wasn't one of the best. There wasn't really anything good to say about it. I gave it a two. Okay. You're already a couple of points ahead of me. How did you feel about world building? Uh, we got Starbase 112, getting supplies for some shitty planet in the Argolis sector. Uh, this planet uses all those dang old filters to clean out the air instead of regulating the emissions that caused the problem in the first place. Fucking dummies. You'd have to be so dumb to do that, they say in the show. <laughs> Uh, some kind of cool study program for extra gifted Marissa's. Uh, that's in there. The weather modification nets on Earth. Weird Q rules that aren't really explained, so I don't know what to do with them. Under what circumstances can you live outside the continuum? What gets you executed? Who knows? Um, I have it as a two, but I could see a one. Well, good news. I had it as a one. Okay. Uh, in addition to the things you said, you know, um, teenage girl doing an internship on a battle cruiser, mm-hmm. uh, the weather nets on Earth ought to be able to dissipate a tornado, even in Kansas. Yeah. Which is like, if you don't want tornadoes, why would you? Yeah. I mean, why would it, as two members of an omnipotent species, why would you go live in Kansas to begin with? But yeah. Uh, tricorders need calibrating. Mm. Yeah, why aren't they just ready out of the box? Who's building these things? That's a good question, but I have a lot more to say about that scene, so we'll get to it. Yeah, well, there is some stuff happening in it, for sure. So, yeah, I gave it a one, which means you gave it a one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Characterization, then. Q is still a creep. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, in universe, people find Doctor Crusher annoying, even though she's basically a hundred percent right on as always. Uh-huh. Riker openly dates women in Ten Forward, and even checks in with Crusher and Troy when he rolls in. Good evening, he seems ladies. Very happy that he gets to show them his date. I am gonna fuck that person. It was weird when he leaned over and whispered into Troy's ear. She looks young, doesn't she? <laughs> and then he Rikers over that seat. Yeah, he does. He just He's really enjoying himself. He is. Uh, Picard and everyone else are susceptible to some essentialist thinking and get caught up in, what if she is a Q? Just like they did with old Jono. Yeah. Boy, that was a tough episode. 
I mean, but the, isn't it some of the same? I mean, first of all, it's very similar plot wise. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah, uh, man. I'm surprised she didn't turn out to be her foster mom was uh, Admiral what Admiral whatever. Yes. What was the name of that lady? Jo- Joan. His name was Jeremiah. Rosa. Yeah, Rosa. Admiral <laughs> Rosa. Uh, although it would have been great if Endar rolled around. <laughs> He's sneaky big. Yeah. And that rat tail. Mm. This episode was not a nightmare characterization-wise, but it was no standout. I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, Q is willing to blow up the Enterprise and all of his best friends to test his hypothesis. But honestly, he just saw her do the saving Riker trick, so he already knows what's up and is just being a shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. The thing where she flung the barrel across the room with the flick of her fingers, that wasn't enough to prove it? Uh Uh-huh. Hey, she made puppies appear and then disappear. Yeah, man. What do you stop pretending? Uh, I put, please put Troy in a uniform already. Please, when is chains of command? I mean, luckily it is soon. Fucking good. Chain of command part one is uh, week one thirty five. So this is week one thirty one. She's getting that uniform soon. Every time I see it, it's more silly. <laughs> um, Q does a good job of making it seem like the girl's parents died in an accident, and it's no big deal. He's just like, ah, they died. But Picard raises his eyebrows at that remark right away. He grapplers him real good. Yeah, Yeah, He's just like, "Mm, really? Oh, they died in an accident. The omnipotent beings or whatever. Uh, And immediately starts investigating that shit. Crusher spends one afternoon with this girl and basically adopts her. Well, Uh, they had that great conversation about how she's an orphan. (laughs) She's always on one of these fucking days, man. Um and then she has to answer so many dead husband questions from this girl who thinks that just because her parents died when she was young, she can just ask anybody anything anytime. Uh-huh. Stuff like, would you bring your husband back from the dead? Uh-huh. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Just fucking God. Poor Jordy sent off on an away mission again this week. Those always go wrong. At least this one gets fixed like one minute into the emergency. At least the fucking, hey, this time the fucking shuttle made it down. A shuttle with Riker and Jordy in it? That definitely should have crashed. It should have crashed. There should have been a broken limb in there somewhere. Uh, that's just where I said the thing about Riker knowing this girl uh, was into him. Um, Riker's in 10 forward to date a lady right in front of Troy. He does a Riker and steps over the chair and all of that. And then also he knows that Amanda's into him, so it's like doubly satisfying. And like you said, he did fuck Crusher too, so just getting them all with one blast yep and like you always said this was not the problem this week everyone tried their best to help every person in the galaxy i gave it a five (laughs) seriously they're worried about this girl they're worried about people on the planet they're all just like let's just do our best and help people no you're right like q is still shitty but q is a villain yes exactly he did exactly what he was supposed to do be the bad guy and uh, sometimes it's a little cute the way he's a villain, like when he makes everybody play Robin Hood, but I didn't think that was that cool, to be honest. <laughs> no. Well, give me them quick hitters. All right. Uh, like you said, Picard puts this lady's arrival in his captain's log, a real uh-huh. what's Wesley up to situation. Uh-huh. Uh, love watching this actress who was just shown how to use the tricorder in this scene, fucking scanning nothing while talking to Crusher. <laughs> Uh-huh. Just pointing the thing the wrong way and just going, yeah, no, I think it's working. This is nothing to her. Well, she was scanning herself with it. Did you miss that? She turns it both ways. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. In one cut, she's pointing it out facing nothing. 
And then in the other scene, she's pointing it at herself. I'm saying this means nothing to this actress at all. She got it right in one shot, gets it wrong in another shot, not trying to orient it in any particular way, just holding it up randomly. Um, this girl just wears this pink outfit the whole damn time. People in space don't bother to mix it up a bit. Oh, wait, no, she put on a green thing in the end. Uh, this Plus, we got to see her in an Empire waist when uh, she was playing Pride and Prejudice with uh, <laughs> Billy Boy. That's right. This lady gave Riker the world's biggest hat. What else did she give him? Uh, this lady beams Crusher to the bridge and just like continues her thoughts where she left off before yes. she beamed her there. She didn't catch her up on it. She didn't it, say sorry for beaming <laughs> you up here or anything. I beamed you up here to say goodbye, but I don't have anything specific to say, it turns out. <laughs> Crusher should have interrupted and gone, hold up, wait, you just beamed me out of the fucking sick bay. What, what, can you start over? I don't even know what I missed. Um, so just a weird choice by her. Uh, that's it for me. What quick hitters did you have? She had three dogs, but if she'd had her way, she would have had a dozen. Okay, so we got an animal wrangler coming with some puppies. Did they yeah. bring nine of them? I don't know. I didn't ask why. Well, a dozen minus three is nine, dude. This is Star Trek. Someone's going to count. <laughs> Do you think at any point off screen, she asks Q, Did the puppies I make have souls? Am I killing them when I send them away? Where did I send them to? Where did they go? Yeah, because I would be... I think I'd have some existential questions about what was happening there. They bring back those puppies. Are they the She's same puppies? Like, off you go. You too. Mm, yeah. Um, hey, I know busy work when I see it, man. Ten tricorders set two by two on five shelves. Not a banker's box with a big old pile of tricorders and charging <laughs> cables and shit. No. Nurse Ogawa already went over those tricorders. <laughs> Probably had to pull up. a double shift. All set up and arranged very neatly because uh-huh. fucking don't do it right. Crushers all over you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, someone did that work already. Yeah. Uh, then Beverly Crusher tells her she'll have Nurse Ogawa help her with the tricorders, but they weren't paying her to be in this episode, so uh, later we just see her bring the tricorders down herself, but I bet she still got yelled at about it. I was briefly excited. I was like, oh, Ogawa's in this one? This is a, I'm going to add some points on somewhere, but no. When this guy comes in all dressed up to double for Q in the scene I alluded to earlier, Yep. As a director, isn't your instinct to cut the stunt and do something else? Uh, you mean because he doesn't look anything like Delancey? Yeah. When that guy steps in there and you're like, ah, oh, shit. That's the guy, huh? Seems like the most common Star Trek problem. Stunt okay, what if looks we don't, nothing like actor. What if we don't do the wire work this week and instead we just have Amanda Rogers slap John Delancey's face? Uh, he can no, do that uh, stunt himself. Uh, Delancey put a thing in... Uh... That's in his. I know he's got to he go. His he's got a. He's got reshoots on hand that rocks the cradle. We can't have him scratched up. So. <laughs> now here's a scene where Data is on the bridge and hears Picard say Tagra. Then forty seconds later says message from Tagra four. So mm-hmm. I assume that was a subtle correction from Data to Picard. Yep, but Picard doesn't give a shit about anything Data says, so that's not going to work. <sighs> I gave Best Actor to the Irish Setter. And um, I didn't think it was one of Riker's better episodes, so... Uh. 
Uh, He's down in like, the worst actor category. Sexually entranced Riker. Oh, Amanda. I did not enjoy it. No, no, it wasn't so good. <sighs> Honestly, I kind of thought he might have been directing it. Oh, the way he just kind of walks in and out of the episode a few different times. You know, I don't think so, but let me check real quick. Just I usually like... catch that. It seemed like his kind of performance when he's directing. Ah, I walked into this scene to do something, but I'm not really in the episode. Directed by Robert Shearer. Okay. Well, um, yeah, unless uh, that's the special name Rucker uses when he knows he did a bad one. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm 100% sure that that's a uh, nom de plume. So, uh, that's, uh, that's our boy. Uh, 21 points this week. He would have won last week. Yeah, last week was fucking terrible. I'm glad we already have one above those. Second place last week, although it was a tie on points, was Deep Space Nine. So this week we watched Statistical Probabilities. going to be an uncomfortable one um <laughs> some kind of makeshift psychiatric facility is being set up on ds9 in what appears to be a cargo bay in just the car whatever cargo bay but the one that cisco's always trying to give away the one where <laughs> o'brien was like keiko needs a hobby and he's like <laughs> fucking i got it for you use that cargo bay that no one wants um if the patients are upset about being here like everyone always is no one wants to be on ds9 and it turns out these dudes and dudettes are all genetically altered, like Bashir. And yeah. he's going to um, study them, help them. I'm yep. not sure. Someone said, let's send these four troubled individuals to Ninth Fleet Headquarters. <laughs> so they can meet another weirdo, but you one know, who's less weird. If they could just see a genetically enhanced guy who's like... Like, kind of got it together. Maybe they yeah. can turn it around. Yeah, that's right. That's, I think, the strategy here. Maybe their uh, crippling psychological problems will be solved <laughs> if they just have a good example. Got all types of weirdos here. You got the manic, crazy, violent one, the old man who's a baby one, the insanely horny one, and, uh, you know, the mute one. Yep, the four uh, archetypes. Blah. <laughs> Credits. Bashir meets the mutants, and they grill him for a while. They seem upset that they've been locked away, and he's been chilling in Starfleet. And he gives them a cool brag about having to go have dinner with friends and leaves, because he knows they're locked in that cargo bay. And that's really what it felt like. <laughs> and uh, But he does have dinner with the whole gang. Like, Odo's there. It's weird. He's sitting next to Kira, too, so those guys are friends again, for sure. Uh-huh. Whatever yeah. happened at that party. Yeah, off screen. <laughs> Yeah. You're not joking. Whatever happened at that party, we'll never know. I mean, that was two weeks ago, even. So, Bashir reveals that uh, that lady in, who was in the first scene, it was her idea to bring them here with Bashir to see what they might be able to grow up to be someday. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they're all waiting to watch some public address from Galdamar. Uh, when Jack, that's the crazy violent one, he calls Bashir on the comms, and so Bashir's got to go down to get him to stop using the comms. Anyway, uh, these guys are real upset about a noise that only they can hear. Um, but Bashir can hear it too, so I guess it's an augment thing. Anyway, <laughs> he gets O'Brien on it. 
Uh, but Jack still threatens to kill the mute one. S- Serena? Yeah. Uh, unless it gets fixed quickly. Uh, O'Brien does fix it, and then they all watch Goldemar's dumb speech. And uh, these weirdos start calling out a bunch of body language bullshit about Damar. And uh, since their theories match reality in certain ways, uh, makes Bashir think that these weirdos might be useful. Like they go, ah, oh, he killed somebody. It's, uh, it's hurt somebody close to him. And like, we know he killed Zeal. So anyway. We also know she wasn't that close to him. Yeah. Um, Bashir tells the peeps and ops all about it. And he says he's never seen these mutants so engaged. In the 40 minutes he spent with them, they were not never as engaged before. as they were in that particular moment. Um, the Dominion is coming to DS9 for peace talks. <clears throat> which everyone knows is some fake bullshit. Um, but the talks are going to be recorded, so all Bashir's little buddies will get to watch, to everyone's delight. Jack replays some of what Wayun said in his native tongue, his D- Dominionese or whatever they called it, which I guess they can do that. And anyway, they figure out Wayun's uh, proposition about each side keeping what they have or, uh, or they've already claimed. It includes them keeping a certain star system that they can use to build up their strength for a future conflict or something. They try to figure out why the Dominion might want this specific star system, and the mute girl writes down the answer. It would be a really good place to make Ketracel white, right here in the Alpha Quadrant. But uh, Bashir brings this to Cisco, who says, uh, and here's the crazy part, he was going to recommend Starfleet make peace with the Dominion based on this first proposal. Huh? Or at least agree to this border. Anyway, Bashir recommends that they do uh, accept that proposal so they can stall and rebuild their defenses and bring the Romulans in on the war. And he's got all these projections from this room full of weirdos. In the end, Cisco agrees to take their ideas to Starfleet Command and the whole gang has a big celebration with dancing and craziness O'Brien comes in to do some maintenance and upsets the old man baby um, and they all discern that O'Brien made a, uh, made up an excuse to come see Bashir because Keiko is, brace yourself away from the station <laughs> he never invited her back I know they evacuated <laughs> right before the Dominion he War, probably but... never told her the DS9 was retaken yeah She's probably, she knows she she's read the news. She's sending a bunch of messages to Starbase 375 or whatever. She read the news, she knows, and she's waiting to see how long it's going to take <laughs> O'Brien to contact her. Um, Whilst playing darts, Bashir tells O'Brien how much he likes these little dudes now. Um, and he's going to get them access to classified military intelligence. But when he goes to talk to them, they've already come up with some new projections. And uh, these are dire. And Bashir says... They have no way to beat the Dominion, and they must surrender. And he brings it to Cisco, and he tells him there's going to be like a fucking trillion casualties if they fight this war. And sure, nobody wants five generations of Dominion rule, but then everything's going to be awesome after that. And Cisco rejects that idea. Because, like, no shit. Uh, I've seen this show, and they definitely win the war, so... yeah. Um, Bashir tries to get O'Brien on board for some reason. He'd be useless in a coup, so it must just be so he has someone to commiserate with. But O'Brien's with Cisco on this one, and the two dummies have an argument at the bar. 
And then Bashir's foul mood gets loud and disruptive, and Quark has to ask him to leave. Jack says uh, they're going to have to betray Starfleet and give all this classified intelligence to the Dominion, just so that the war is shorter and not so many people beef it. And Bashir draws the line there, but uh, Jack knocks him out when he refuses to help. <clears throat> Wayun and Damar get a scene together where you can see Damar is still bristling at Wayun's orders. But Wayun tells him that he's been contacted by an anonymous party promising some fucking super good secret information. So they're gonna go meet him. I guess in another one of those fucking cargo bays or something. Does seem like it. Uh, Bashir wakes up and he's tied to a chair and the fucking voice controls aren't working so he can't call anyone for help. Uh, the mute girl is there though and uh, Bashir convinces her to untie him. I guess she's big into Jack and Bashir tells her. You know the guy who threatened to kill her. The guy who was going to kill her earlier. And Bashir tells her, uh, well, they're all going to be arrested and she'll never see Jack again after this. And I guess that's enough. Uh, he catches up to Jack before the big meeting with Wayoon. Odo actually turns up at the secret meeting and uh, escorts Wayoon and Damar back to their quarters. <clears throat> Bashir tells the gang uh, they're getting boxed up and sent back to the dang psych ward, uh, wherever they were on originally. Also, uh, see how this plan didn't go how you thought? You could be wrong about a bunch of shit, including the big space war, so there. And then uh, Bashir chats with O'Brien, and then he goes to see the weirdos off one last time, and everyone's cool and not that mad at him, so I guess they're going to keep working on ways to beat the Dominion in the meantime. And That's the end of the episode. What was this about? Uh, one possible take for this episode is that the actions of individuals have historical significance and you can't predict the future statistically because of that. Okay. There probably is a small group of people who think otherwise, either big fans of the Foundation series or uh, just big AI neural network bros or something. Sure. Uh, fucking Moneyball people probably. Moneyball. God. Saber matricians. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but I assume most people hold the belief that the future is beyond accurate prediction. Mm -hmm. It's a real shame that this episode is not in any way about the treatment of these genetically enhanced people <laughs> and their rights in society. And nope. Like <laughs> no the first cares. 10 minutes set it up like maybe it could be about <laughs> that, but it's not. And that's a shame because that's probably more interesting and relevant and it's especially relevant because they coded these people as being on the autism spectrum. All of intentionally them. or unintentionally, that's mm -hmm. what they've done with They claim with it's some because of, of the augmentation, but uh, uh -huh. I don't know, man. And so, you know, that would have made a parallel. We could have been talking about what they thought about that in the 90s and the great Star Trek take about that. But instead, they just kind of did the... You know, your actions do matter, and don't mm -hmm. probability and statistics, etc., are just tools. And, yeah, Bashir um, basically says to him, you can't live outside of here because you guys are all crazy. Yeah. You get it. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. You live in a cargo bay, and I get to have dinner with friends. I don't understand right. what the problem is here. So, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I don't care about that. It's a four. The take is fine. I just, it always irritates me when they uh, let one slip by that could have mm -hmm. been interesting. Yep. Yeah, I agreed it was a four, and my take was very similar. I said, uh, give your best, no matter what, because who knows what could happen. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's a super cool take. Uh, let's see. Execution. Bashir learns a lesson, I guess? But it seems like he had like the same issue Cisco had, just like a higher tolerance for douchebaggery. Yeah. Like he was okay with surrendering, but then he wasn't okay with betraying Starfleet. I'm not sure what happened to those 900 billion lives he was so worried about, but generally speaking, it's, I don't know, like you said, there aren't that many people who don't believe this. You know, like the only certainty in war is uncertainty. Everyone knows. I, I don't remember this being a thing of the late 90s either. Like, no. The idea that computers were going to... Like, honestly, it's way more a thing of the 60s, that episode where the computers calculate who's killed in the nuclear strikes and everyone <laughs> yeah. reports to the fucking death chambers. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And the Did that one score pretty good? Uh, It kind of must have. I think it must have. Was that a taste of Armageddon? What's the name had, of that fucking one? That sounds right. It had takes, man. It had takes. Uh, well, a Taste of Armageddon again got 52 early. points. All right, so... And that was in week 23. <laughs> oh, that's we... the all-time highest take score I've given. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. Yes, it got premise points. <laughs> yeah. It was our combined highest premise score as well. So, yeah. But by then, I don't remember this being a particular thing in the 90s either, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. So anyway... uh. See, it would be crazy to give up without a fight, given that, uh, you know, one Bull Halsey can come along and fuck the whole thing up for the Dominion. <laughs> That's right. One, one Masu. You know what I mean? They, they hear, well, it's a big criticism I have of this show, that they don't want to engage with the idea in any way. So no one asks any questions like, well, does it change if the Dominion don't know that they're guaranteed to win? <laughs> yeah, like, right. You know, that part of it is their behavior is going to be based on their own assessment of what's mm-hmm. going to happen and stuff. Like, they don't get into it in any way. Yeah. How the mathematics of this work. Yeah, they th- say, says, oh, we've one put in every line. factor. What does that yeah. mean? What's every factor? Uh-huh, exactly. Well, what are you talking about? Like, anyway, you're not going to bite on my one Masu comment? One Masu could come yes, along. Yes, there could be and one Masu. Whose, whose deeds will never match his words. Liu Bei knew. Liu Bei was fucking one breath away from dying, and he's like, <laughs> "He goes." By the way, last thing in, I know, bud. I said a lot of things hey, tonight. Bud, don't trust. Hey, don't one hey, thing here, Masu. Listen, he talks a big game, but he ain't he gonna go back it up. He ain't gonna back it up, Don't employ don't, him in anything critical. Do not trust him with anything important, please. Oh, I'm dying now. Okay, I'm actually dying. <laughs> but remember that Masu. Oh, thing. Take care of my kid if you want to, but. <laughs> Remember this thing I said about Masu? <laughs> it goes, hey, like I didn't fucking know anything. Masu, you you will lead you will lead the next mission. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> uh, as often happens, I'm not exactly how I'm not exactly sure how to apply this specific lesson in my own daily life. Maybe just yeah. to give my best, no matter what, because who knows what can happen. Uh, don't love this traveling circus of genetic freaks. Theoretically, there must be augments out there who aren't batshit. Maybe make them analysts for Starfleet. These guys are nuts. Yeah, it's not a sensitive portrayal. No. Bashir's detestable, as always. Just vacillates wildly from shit-eating superior grins to screaming all is lost and back again. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is in my notes, too, but it's the Voyager conspiracy. (laughs) Except he doesn't have too much data being pumped into his noggin. (laughs) It's just a piece of shit. (laughs) 
So we didn't spend any time having fun this week, for sure. Uh, on the bright side, people actually talked about the Great Space War this week. It had been a while. Yep. We got to see Wayun. Not his best outing, but we did get to see him. No real B-plot, since the peace negotiations tie in directly with the A-plot. So, you know, that's a plus. Uh, with those two pluses, it gets two points. <laughs> right. Um, well, I didn't like it any better. <laughs> uh, I dropped my main criticism already in the take section. They left a much more interesting subject on the table. Yeah. It also has big student play vibes with the characters, all of whom are much less grounded than Bashir. Yes. Um, like I said, they're too afraid to invent any of the actual future-telling methodology, so we have no way of assessing whether anything that happens in this episode makes sense. Mm-hmm. And no one argues that the methodology is flawed until Bashir yep. has his dumb realization with three minutes to go. Yeah. When he says extremely obvious things. At no point in the office does Cisco go, uh, I don't even know what that means. What does At it no... mean, every factor? What does that mean? At no point he just in goes, the... I'm sure you're right. I'm sure the numbers are perfect numbers and they make a lot of sense. At no point in the office does Cisco say to him, hey, four weeks ago, if your guys had ran those numbers, do you think they would have accounted for the wormhole the aliens doing exactly. me a solid? Is that in there? Huh? Would was you think that they in would the have uh, on that? Or would their projections have said those 2,800 Dominion ships are coming through? Yeah. Or if, or maybe they weren't. Maybe they counted on the, the station being retaken by then. But they definitely didn't count on them disappearing and thinning. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Bashir, despite being knocked out and having to convince Serena to help him, somehow beats them to their meeting with Wayun. <laughs> They must have got lost. They don't know the station that well. They got lost. They're listen. They're geniuses, but they don't know everything. That's right. Uh, and outside of this plot, we only get a tiny glimpse at the Damar Wayun dy- dynamic. I wish there had been a lot of that. Yeah, that would have been a better episode for sure. And everyone else is on Little League duty, so it's a two for me for uh, for execution. All right, the world building then. Damar's running the show on Cardassia. But he seems to have less actual power than Ducat did. Yeah, I mean, which um, makes sense. You know, Ducat interviewed his boss, right? And so he has a little more mm-hmm. power than the next guy who comes in. He was just the guy. They had to put someone in charge, and he had been in the room for all those conversations. So uh-huh. it's like, all right, you're in charge, but like, ain't nobody here respect you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dominion wants to trade shipbuilding capability for Ketracel White capability. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it seems like in this episode, most genetically enhanced humans end up institutionalized. That's sort of what we're led to believe. Mm. Um, it's a two. I mean, it's some world building, but uh, it's not great. Add it one higher to three. Um, Dominion is currently holed up in Cardassian space, but I guess smart money is still on them winning the war. Uh... We see some genetically altered people. They didn't get they didn't get it done correctly though. They're all mentally and emotionally damaged or whatever. I got the feeling that there are normal ass fucking augments out there that just aren't allowed to be in Starfleet. But like again, where are they at? Yeah, maybe. Show these guys to one of them. Maybe one who's like working as one of them civilian scientists or something. In the in the dinner scene, Bashir talks about how the pressure of being genetically engineered causes these people to crack and they end up having to seek help. 
Jesus, uh, that made it, the pressure of being genetically engineered made these people uh, something like, and yeah, I don't know, or the pressure of having to live a secret double life. Something eventually makes these people crack, and they have to turn to the sort of Federation institutions for help. And presumably, Jeez. that's how these guys ended up. In the loony bin with Garth of Izar or whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, you remember that there weren't any crazy people yeah. left in the galaxy after that episode? Yeah. So they probably had to start these things over from scratch. Uh-huh. They don't know nothing. That's why Lieutenant Karen treats it like a fucking daycare. Yeah, she picked up some old book she read about crazy people from 200 years ago. She don't know how to do it. Yeah, and it's no longer legal. Although Bashir will do it for you. No longer legal <laughs> to erase the memory of your father. <laughs> Bashir will do it whether you ask Bashir, for it or not. Bashir will do it for you. If your brother says to do it, he'll do it. Um, anyway, some more continuity and information about genetic alteration laws and stuff like that. I, I figured there was enough in the big space war and in the uh, the genetics stuff to get the standard three. Well, there's no point in arguing about it. I don't care. So what did you give it for characterization? Uh, Worf sucks at parties, which we already know. Yeah. Every party he sucks at. He sucked at the party last week. He sucked at the party this week. Uh, O'Brien makes up excuses to see Bashir so they can play darts. But then he makes him stand way in the back to play because he's enhanced. Uh, I don't know if we'd commented on that before, if that's happened yet. It happened when <clears throat> O'Brien found out he was enhanced and uh, okay. what's his nut threw a bunch of threw good darts. Whatever is yeah. good for darts, I think he probably threw a 180 or something. Yeah, man, he, I don't, I don't know how darts work. You gotta hit those. Sometimes it's that triple that twenty. Help. That's the good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bashir finds comfort in hanging out with the little knuckleheads. I guess he'd uh, never given much thought to this war, though. Yeah, but once he and the gang look into it, he's like, "Dang, man!" Except that there was one episode, the first one of season six, where he was <laughs> doing hella mental math projections about how the war was going because. Remember, it's out in the open now. That's right. Uh, then when the surrender doesn't happen, he gets real pissy, but he ultimately doesn't betray Starfleet for whatever that's worth. Cisco is not a good strategist, but at least he doesn't let Bill Connolly's S&P Plus rankings dictate his war aims. <laughs> so that's good. Um, I gave it a two. Um... Boy, I wonder. Well, let me read through it. I have it as a three, but I don't I don't think I liked it three. So let's go through it again. <laughs> Bashir is like seven of nine in Voyager Conspiracy this week in that he changes his position back and forth all the time. Except yeah. he doesn't have the excuse that she had. Yeah, there ain't nothing. She, he, <laughs> he hasn't been jacked into anything. Bone jacked or anything. He is also like... A little nasty with O'Brien. And O'Brien tries to play it off as a joke, like, oh, dumb, look, dumb little me. Look, it's mm-hmm. dumb little me. Uh, but I actually do think that we're seeing some uh, some actual arrogance from Bashir there in yeah. some of those scenes. Like, when he tells O'Brien he didn't even go to college, that sucked. <laughs> um... <laughs> Quark wants him to stop being a buzzkill. He's on Little League duty. Damar is apparently haunted and not just, you know, sort of miserable at this bad bargain that yeah. Ducat made and that he has to live with. I mean, if we're to believe everything the little knuckleheads had to say, I guess yeah. so. 
But also, they were just saying Shakespeare's. So who knows if they noticed anything at all? Yeah, or if they, they would have said Shakespeare's impressing each they, other if they'd put on. Uh, what was the what was Quirk having them bet on? O'Brien playing fucking racquetball. What was it? Sure, O'Brien yeah, and Bashir be. doing racquetballs. Yeah, uh, you're right. They were just trying to impress each other with yeah. knowing about Shakespeare's. Uh-huh. Uh, Wayun's tightening the leash a little bit. Yeah. And, um, Worf sucks, as always. Worf's big concern in all this talk about genetic engineering is that it will be unfair competition for normal children and it will place a burden on their parents to genetically engineer their children. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to hear it from you. You're the worst parent in the galaxy, <laughs> including the Corvin Gilvos, and they're basically extinct. It is true. We've never seen a, We've seen Kyle Riker, and we still haven't seen a dad as bad as you, Worf. No, it's not close, man. No, we've seen the worst dad ever. It's you. You're the worst dad. So please don't make any remarks about what parents are going to be forced to have to think about. Yeah, so big surprise that his whole take on genetic engineering is, I don't want to, I don't want to have to put Alexander in Kumon. Or whatever. <laughs> also, it is exactly the same argument that people were making about steroids. Uh huh. And it's like, um, hey man, I gotta tell you, I grew up in the steroid era, and I I never took any steroids. Nope. I've never watched the guy on TV jack a home run seven hundred fifty feet and went, I have to do that now. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it's not the kids aren't doing it. Yeah. And no no one saw Mark McGuire in his cameo appearance on Mad About You and saw his weird body. <laughs> his fucking insane body that and thought, no sense. Oh, I gotta look like that. I think his uh what are them big muscles on the top of the shoulders? They look like a big mountain. I gotta Is look like a Ronald McDonald made of beef. <laughs> he looks he looks like a big mountain neck. That doesn't look healthy. Um so yeah, I mean that sucks. So yeah, you know what? Uh, I had it. It is only a two. It is a bummer. It was a bummer this episode. Yeah, man. There's a lot of bummers these days. Just mostly bummers. They n- none. They didn't have any of the moral high ground characters step in and say anything to anyone this week. No. No, man. I. Th- <clears throat> how easy was Little League this week? They put everyone at that one dinner. Uh huh. Yeah, that was, was like very Little League easy. fucking accomplished. We don't need to see Kira anymore. We don't need to see Dax work at the Dabo wheel. Yep, like, yeah, sure, Odo arrest, or escorted uh, the Dominion guys back to their quarters, and yeah, Quark showed up with a double wheel. But a lot of those people, man, we ain't got to see them no more. We don't need no more Worf, but good. Also, this is a quick hitter preview, but uh, it looked like Bashir had the equivalent of several million dollars. <laughs> like, he had... He was, he was he a genius. Would, he had won, I don't know, eight or nine bars of latinum at that point. Yeah, it was more than a lot he of He had more money than savings. Quark, so... <laughs> Quark actually was handling it very well. He was only yeah. mildly annoyed about it. It's Quark crazy. was like, well, I'm already ruined. Just looking at this money, I'm ruined. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, I guess so. I guess I have a few more questions. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, if I went to the local theater, to any local theater, but let's say City Lights Theater Company on 2nd Street. Yes, yeah, my favorite. And... Uh, this the opening scene of this episode was the opening scene of the play. Oh, I would have turned to Katie and said, "Oh no, these guys have lost it." <laughs> this fucking scene with the where the four different archetypes are yeah. just 
doing weird stuff and making sure you know what their weird deal is. I'm a baby. Oh, I'm yeah. a I'm a real vamp. Oh, yeah, look at me. Yeah. I've got uh, I got two. I'm a caffeine guy. And then oh, I I don't talk. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, or emote worthless. Yeah, character. I would be like, oh no. Uh, How long is this supposed to be? Do you they, know? Does they, it doesn't say? Oh, they God. only do two straight plays every season and two musicals, and we don't. I don't want to see the musicals, but it I says, wish we hadn't seen this one. It says there's an intermission. How long is this gonna be? Oh no. <laughs> Uh, support your local theater companies. It's better than this episode of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it kind of has to be. I guess all they could afford this week was a, quote, James Franco type. Huh? <laughs> James Franco. I mean, I guess so. I, guess I don't I know. I don't know where James Franco was in his career when this episode filmed, but uh, Jack sure. reminded me of him. Okay. To, to the point that, I, because I couldn't remember the name James Franco, I'm going to be very honest with you about that. I had to pause the episode and shout <laughs> to Katie in the living room. What's the name What's of... the name of the guy in 30 Rock who has the body pillow, but he's playing himself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Jack, we know, is disturbed, and none of these guys are good socially. But what is Bashir doing by announcing that he's going to go have dinner with some friends and they're mm. all not invited? He, I think he really was annoyed by all the shit they were saying to him. And he's not cool. And he didn't handle it well. And he was like, I'm going to be mean to the fucking inmates here. Shouldn't their handler assignment. have stuck around for five or six minutes just to yeah. make sure that these interactions were going good before she handed them over? Like, if she'd seen that, she would have been like, all right, everyone back in the runabout. Yeah. Nothing to learn here. Yeah, man, she just hates these guys, too, and wanted to get out of that room. Well, one of them cut her with a broken-up pad, so. Good to know that's possible. Yeah, it's weird that they're glass, right? Why are they so glassy? Um, like when they're not made of transparent aluminum or whatever. Here comes Worf, talking about they need to have full period histories and genital inspections for the middle school track team. Because the competition <laughs> has to be fair. <laughs> It's 100% the, the side that Worf and the BBC would come down on. I agree. <laughs> like you know, I don't fuck with either of them at this point. That's right. Fuck them. I hope they... Hey, can the 10forward.social ban Worf? That's a good question. 10forward.social? Because <laughs> he's a fucking problem. Uh, computer, play some music. Nothing we'd have to pay for. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a lot of that going around this week. He just says, computer, play some music. What does he say? Something bombastic? I I don't remember. And it plays the Danube Waltz? Yeah, hey, um, I might initially, the name of my notes initially was Public Domain. Yeah. Because of all of that going (laughs) on this week. uh, We'll talk about Public Domain (laughs) a little more coming up. Uh, So wild that Damar ended up running Cardassia. There must be a thousand angry gulls. This dude was a Glynn Four weeks ago. Seriously, how many times we do you saw think his promotion come through in season six? How many times did people angrily, after this, make comments about Ducat's boyfriend getting the fucking job? Oh, for sure. These you know people, the Cardassians aren't cool that way. No, they were must. They were crazy bitter. And by the way, it was the space nineties. You could still say <laughs> stuff like that. They for <laughs> sure were saying that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, like. 
hey, what was Gul'dukat was the uh, leader of the Second Order? Sure. Something like that? Do you think Something. the leader of the First Order is pretty mad at this point? <laughs> like, okay, Dukat's the guy who made the deal. Yeah. Right? Dukat brought the man. Also, was he already running Cardassia at that point after yes, his he was rebellion? The he was the military advisor to the civilian government. Right. Okay, so he got the job. Fine. And he and uh, he went back to the rank of Gull because um, no one uh, watching the show would know that wasn't his first name. That's right. They didn't know about Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That wasn't widely publicized. So cool, cool, cool. But the next guy being Damar must have must have rankled some Cardassian military officials. Yeah, it was so not widely publicized that two years ago or whatever, when I found out his name was Scream, I cackled for fifteen minutes. <laughs> Uh, by that way, that's your name on 10forward.social is Scrain. That's so. right. I'm just Scrain. Wasn't taken. No. Well, why would it be? <laughs> um, I hope none of our listeners has the name Scrain. You know, I wouldn't have a listener in, I don't know, Poland or something. <laughs> that's a real name out there. Somewhere. Some, yeah, I apologize. Somewhere, in some country, there's somewhere where that's a name for sure. I apologize to whoever that is. That is very American of me. I don't know if we have any Polish listeners, and I'm not going to check right now. Um. Yeah, I guess that's it for for quick hitters. Uh, yeah, my only quick hitter was after watching this episode. How mad would you be if these dipshits came back for another one? I will be mad. Okay, <clears throat> I intend to be mad. Just wanted to t- tease you with that. Yeah, one. it's unsuccessful. I know they're coming back. <laughs> um, uh, I should say I gave best actor to Wei Yun and worst actor to Patrick. Patrick was the, the baby. He's the big baby one. Yeah, well, you're barely in this episode, but just, you know. Yeah, I believe. What are you going to do with these idiots? The caveat is it's not when he's speaking Vordaese, because that was very. <sighs> that was uh, Huttese. Jake Lloyd. <laughs> that was Huttese for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird that he, when he said Sleemo. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's two. That's two down. And by the way, both of them are now have 21 points, so... Oh, good. Just like last week. Uh, possible... We're headed for a real fucking... The tiebreaker win this week finish. would be, if it was between those two, would be true Q for the five you gave it for characterization. Yeah, well, it would be another well-deserved win. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be It would be a real shame if, st- if statistical probability... I guess statistical probabilities now can't win because of yeah. the tiebreaker rule, but uh, it would right. have been sad. But, hey, Voyager notched its fifth win last week on... Again, in the most shameful possible way. absolutely <laughs> shameful technicality. And now they they only need to get 22 points. That's right. So, let's discuss Virtuoso. Voyager is towing a damaged Komarian vessel. And Shmolus is getting a lot of flack from the crew of that ship for being a shitty low-tech hologram. Mm. He's like, they're like, you've got Intel integrated graphics. That's the that's a fucking joke. You're a joke. <laughs> they're Janeway level racist about it. And yeah. so he calls Janeway down so she can have a dose of their arrogance. Yes. But all of these clowns perk up when Shmullis starts singing I've been working on the railroad because it's in the public domain. Oh, yeah, so good. You know who uh, 
You know who's already too sophisticated for that song? My two-year-old son. He won't listen to that anymore. If I try to play it, he goes, no, until he's, I turn it off. He's seen Round Ball Rock. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it turns out these chuds have never heard of singing, and yeah. they need more of it. Credits. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's treated them to a few folk songs, and they're like, what is this crazy math? And they have no concept at all of artistic expression, and they're just blown away. And their whole attitude changes, and they invite Voyager to come visit their system, which is very advanced. Mm. But, you know, not nearly as advanced as they think they are, because sure. these guys are full of themselves. And they are insane to hear Schmollis sing live for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We cut to him singing opera in a mess hall. Well, these guys figure out how to clap and laugh at his jokes. And then he brings on Harry Kim and the Kim Tones, and they don't give one shit about it. No, they hate this shit right away. They're like, fuck this guy. Until uh, Schmollis gets up there to sing. Then they're nuts for it in a way no one in the crowd understands. No one from no, Voyager actually, can figure makes, it out. <laughs> everyone is making the same face that people make at Data's recital. Everyone yeah. is super mad. <laughs> They start setting up a big concert down on the planet. And everyone on Voyager has had enough of this shit. They don't like the attention that he's getting. And they don't like him. It's very clear. Mm -hmm. And Tinku, the Komari woman, asks why everyone treats Shmolus like garbage. Yeah. We don't, thankfully, have to see the actual performance. We just... Cut to Voyager, where Seven has put the ship on red alarm because she has discovered Komar sabotage efforts because this week she is a child and she does not understand the concept of fan mail. There's just a huge amount of fan mail being sent to the ship for Shmolus. Janeway has to explain the whole concept of celebrity to her, even though she was nine when she got bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. She should have known what a celebrity was. She should have. Like, she should have known about, I don't know, at least Mr. T or something, right? Yeah, or like all the famous scientists. That's who's a celebrity. Well, like, Janeway doesn't say to her, just imagine um, if, you know, if Flotter, the otter, was aboard the ship. And, like, people would want to get to know him and know about his day and what his favorite quadratic equation was. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Then Janeway has to go deal with a security problem on deck two, which is, of course, a long line of people waiting to meet Schmollis. These are two emergencies that could have been dealt with if someone had just told her what was happening over the comms. Yeah. Yes. Because in both cases, her solution is nothing. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Schmollis is like, he's given out holograms of his performances but he's really making, he's not just signing them and handing them over. He's fucking making a meal of it and harmonizing with them live. And he's in a big fancy dressing gown for some reason, even though he's a hologram. Yeah, well, uh, even though he's a hologram part, it's just, we've had to say that every single episode for the last hundred and fucking ten episodes or something. Janeway takes him aside to tell him to cool it, but shit has gone so far to his head that he calls her Catherine. And uh, she tells him to get his electronic behind back to sickbay. Yeah. But even in sickbay, it's just a couple of Komari groupies trying to get stank all over him. Yeah. One so, we've seen a few times already to that point. <laughs> yes. I got lots of questions about the actors. So many. 
so he beams back down to the matte painting opera house where Tinku has written a piece of music for him to sing. He can't hit some of the notes. They're just not possible. And she even wants though him, he's a hologram. Even though he's a hologram. And she wants him to stay behind so she can tinker with his programming. He's not sure he wants her to tinker with him. So at this point, I'm guessing I know what the premise of this episode is going to be. Mm-hmm. But she has a lot of arguments to make. Uh, also, she talks she talks obliquely about how close they've gotten, and he thinks that Tinku is in love with him. Yeah. So he resigns his commission. He's um, he's Picard level with the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> he don't know what to do. Um. I mean, okay, we'll talk about the uh, one one wild thing later. But yes, you're right. He is Picard level with the ladies. It's like he has no experience with this exact scenario at all, somehow. <laughs> so he resigns, and Janeway is unhappy about it, because they need a fucking doctor, and their backup is Tom Paris. She doesn't say this, but like that's got to be the thing that she's thinking. Like, we're, yeah, we will say, die. People are going to die yes, because of this. She didn't say out loud the part that I thought she had she had to say that it was her obligation to say which is uh the yeah the entire crew is going to perish at some point because there is no one to do any doctoring because tom paris has purposely avoided all of the doctoring lessons and even (laughs) if he hadn't been they were just short lessons he ain't a fucking surgeon and uh, like you understand that if i let you resign the number one p0 item on everybody's sprint board for the next year is going to be make a new hologram Need- doctor that ain't uppity yeah i have some other solutions as well that we can talk about in other sections but um or you know just make a copy of it. whatever they can't do yeah. that we've already it's uh, well established that it's impossible to make a copy of it and his program is in great jeopardy at all times a couple of measure of a man arguments threaten to come up in this one and as you'd expect janeway threatens to be on the wrong side of them <laughs> yes she does she does threaten that uh but i think she must hear herself because she switches to other stuff like hey famous fleeting and um yeah. hey also there are people though i can't name any on voyager who care about you yeah but as soon as that, he buddy? as soon as he says there's a woman involved she allows him to resign <laughs> yep he starts handing things over to Tom Paris, who it turns out is one of those people who's going to miss him. And that surprises him and me. Um, maybe they had a lot of fun in Fairhaven last week. I don't know. That's true. They, uh, they were Sorry, both all in ago. on that. They were both all in on that program. Yeah. He goes to say goodbye to Seven, and she's she's legitimately mad at him for leaving. Mm-hmm. He tries to explain, but she's too hurt to listen, I guess. we don't. It's hard to understand why, but I guess... You know, he's kind of her mentor if you forget about the time when he made a bet with Tom Paris about whether she'd ever be dateable. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I'm trying to forget it. Yeah. Or, you know, when he didn't put a password on his fucking morality circuit. <laughs> and he did some experiments on her. And he did a bunch of painful experiments on her to try to get data out of her brain. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she's mad about it. at the yeah. end. He heads down. Tinku says she has a surprise for him. Her surprise is... um. A better version of Schmollis that she made immediately. I mean, better at singing. It's got for forehead sure. stuff and an enhanced vocal range. It doesn't seem to, like, talk or do anything else, so it may only be good for singing. Who knows? She, she says it has three balls, and he says, why is that better? 
who wants more balls? And then yeah, she I says, think I don't know, man. I just think it's better. I don't get it. <laughs> you think you just get rid of those all together. Who needs them? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm a hologram. You just think you just around out there? What for? That could all be dick space. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I do know what you mean. It's wasted. It's wasted skin. Um. Now he's welcome to fuck off with Voyager because she's got the 2.0 model to keep. And that hurts the man. Uh, especially <laughs> when it's clear that she thinks he's like an iPhone 4 and she's got a 6 now. Yeah, he thought they were in love. Yeah, he misunderstood that. She wasn't in love with him at all. She just inspired him. Or was yeah, inspired man. by him, rather. You shouldn't move. No, you got to figure change that one your out. job if you're not sure that the lady really likes you like That's that. some stuff you want to get explicit. Yeah. You want me to move and change my job? Mm. Mm. Uh, boy, we only dated a, for a very short time. That seems like kind of a lot. Yeah, I'm having a hard time getting accepted to universities in Boston. I might have to go to a very <laughs> expensive private one. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? She doesn't listen to this. Hey, I um, I paid off one of those loans the other day. Ah, oh, shit, that must have felt good. Yeah, no, I, uh, there's more, though. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I know what. Still goes. It goes on and on. And, I saw uh, your face at graduation. I know exactly. It don't stop, and the pain don't stop, and it don't ever stop, and the pain, the pain don't stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a good decision. Um, he has one more farewell performance, and he's freaking out and trying to improve his own program to win Tinku over, I guess. <laughs> but uh, at this point, Bolana Torres is in the episode, and she rocks up and tells him, "Look, man." Even if we made all these changes, I mean, you wouldn't be you anymore. You'd be a different person. Mm. And when he goes out on stage for his farewell performance, he opts to sing an old Neapolitan ballad, Rondine al Nido, instead. Yeah, which, run the all day Nido. Hell yeah. Which only his shipmates find moving. Yep. And then he watches from the wings as Tinku introduces her own hologram, which sings weird garbage that delights the Komari. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you the truth. I skipped the singing scene in the end. <laughs> I'd seen so many already. I just moused ahead. I went, nah, I don't need this. So you didn't want you didn't see the weird garbage singing. <laughs> I saw when she introduced the other guy and he started to sing. Okay. I, I only managed to skip the, the, the schmollest singing. All right. Great. Perfect. Um. Oh, so what you so then <laughs> that's great because what you skipped was the one thing that Robert Picardo didn't sing and was dubbed. Oh, <laughs> they brought in an actual tenor to sing the the last thing, just I guess to make sure it didn't ah. sound like garbage, right? That's too bad. Oh, there's, no, Picardo, there's nothing wrong with Picardo's voice, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I should have skipped all the other. He's juicing it, but listen to listen to that. They goosed him. <laughs> they goosed him. Yeah. Um. Back on Voyager, Shmala's hands Janeway a formal request to be reinstated, and she kind of negs him and then orders him to keep doing his dumb little hobbies like singing. Mm. And then Seven stops by sickbay with a fan letter mm. of her own for him. Mm. And then he treats us to another couple of sweet, sweet measures of I've been working on the railroad. Mm. The end. Mm. 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 What's up? Tell it to me, Chaco. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to hear it. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Yes, my that was good. It was good was that I did very that because I have to scroll through 120 episodes to get back to where we are in this <laughs> from uh, Taste of Armageddon. Um, I almost made it the thing Balana said about how you shouldn't 
basically about how you shouldn't try to be someone else's perfect version of you because then you're not really you anymore. Yeah, but, but that's not... I, I mostly just went with the grass is always greener on the other side, man. Okay. Like, finally, somebody appreciates Mullis and doesn't hate him and talk about how they hate him and, like, stare must, at him and with anger must have been and say, irresistible to him. Mm-hmm. People liked him for the first time in his entire six-year existence. His, his whole life. His whole life. The first time somebody liked him. But guess what, man? It wasn't all, it's all cracked up to be. These people also saw him as a big, dumb microwave, and they don't love him as much as the Voyager crew after all. Will Schmullis learn this lesson? Probably not. Uh, I don't know. I guess you don't need sci-fi for this. You could do this in a Family Matters or something, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's uh, something. I gave it a three. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a three, too. I didn't say I don't know so much. Um <laughs> I do want to ask you this before I uh, before I get into it. Did you spend all of the time since you watched this episode with the song Pick Me Up on Your Way Down stuck in your head? No, no. Actually, that didn't happen to me. Okay. What about um, Top of the Stairs? Uh, well, a little bit. I mean, okay. Because up there they got... Uh... Oh, got please. Keys, Cadillacs, BMWs, Mercedes-Benzes, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Even girls come in two pairs uh, yeah. at the top of the stairs. They got color TVs, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Color. Those were new in Skilo's time. Uh, I think I've poisoned Katie's brain, and that's her favorite Skilo. It might still be. I wish I'll ask her later. But, oh, I'm, look, that's a very that's an extremely good song. But like me, she uh, she often uh, is excited when it gets to the part where no one really cares about the guy beneath. Beneath. <laughs> it's just good composition. Um. Yeah. So I stay humble. Yeah. Okay. Like, no one, again, no one really cares about the guy beneath. That's right. But, you know. Everybody wants to be down with the dude on top of the stairs. The same person you step on on the way up is going to be, yeah. et cetera. Same one you got to face. On the way back down. On the way down. Or yeah. Um, my only problem is who needs to hear this? Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yes. My take as well. That's what I was thinking. Like, okay. So, like, there's other stuff going on in this episode, themes-wise. Except that they never get to grips with it. Like, there is an idea... The thing that is happening um, with for the Komari is not the thing that Shmolus imagines is happening. Mm. They tell him at the top of the episode that this is some kind of weird, exciting math to them and that they have no concept of artistic expression, mm. but he still expects and acts like he is reaching them emotionally and artistically, yeah. right? Like that's that's the yeah. big failure when he gets up there and does that ballad at the end, and they don't give a shit, right? That reveals that the thing that was happening was not what he imagined. But there's no discussion about that at all in this episode. No, it's just like that is the background for this, and I think it would have been maybe interesting if they discussed it more. Sure, I guess we're already circling into execution here. Yeah, uh, so I'll just say it was a three for me on uh, premise. The major problem with this episode for me, aside from the fact that it's yet another Doctor Has Delusions of Grandeur episode, which we have Good seen Lord. oh so many times. Yeah, man. Like and it was a joke. Was... It was a joke in blink of an eye. Yeah. That oh, yeah, that's what he, he got up to. They he became a singer, of course. Not yeah. a doctor. He didn't go to that planet and become a doctor. 
The major problem is that for the first time in his entire existence, the Doctor meets people who like him and are excited to see him, and it ends up being him that has to eat shit and learn a big lesson. (laughs) As deep as, like, 30 minutes into this one, people are rolling their eyes in front of him, and Janeway's Uh telling him he's a piece of software and shit, and then we're supposed to root against him when he wants to leave the ship? I mean, he is very easy to root against, but sure. For sure. I see your point. Just last week, he lived three years as an opera singer and had a son, apparently. But when he gets another shot at this life this week, he has to stand in Janeway's office and listen to her tell him he's a bad friend to all the people who despise him. That's right, the ones who always talked to his face about what a piece of shit uh-huh. he is and how much they don't like him. Um, I don't want to watch him sing opera, but this is insulting stuff. Sure. And Janeway is horrible to him at the end. Is that supposed to be redeemed because she orders him not to delete his music database? Yes, first she gets in some good digs because this is the time for that. And then since Seven got away with eulogizing the dead Mars guy, she makes this one about her at the end too and writes him (laughs) a fan letter. Uh, It's just an extremely busted episode and it left a very bad taste in my mouth, not because of the singing, but because of the way... They treat yeah. this man's aspirations, despite the fact that we've already had we. There was a whole daydream episode about this, mm. uh, so I gave it a one. I did not enjoy it. Yep, yeah. you know, and there's another thing that they could have talked about. That actually, I'm just gonna give the rare credit. Um, Battlestar Galactica did it better. Was the idea that when you're on one of these lifetime fucking generational ships. Are what is your, what are your rights to escape the job that you have? Uh huh. This guy wants to go and have like a life, and she says all these things. She doesn't really come out and say it with the force that would make this the plot of the episode. It's like now, uh, like everyone's obligation is to have you in this role because we have no other doctors. No, it fucking barely comes up in this show. And they could have explored that, but it's not about that. Very slightly touched on in the episode about should we use the medical data from the Cardassian Mangala? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like that guy wanted to, the Maquis guy wanted to quit or something, and she was like, well, you can't. You can't quit. Eat it. Yeah, but but it didn't come up here in an episode where losing the doctor would be crippling. And he wanted to leave, and um, they had a whole arc about that in uh, Battlestar Galactica, where the people felt like they were being turned, it was turning into a class system. Well, man, look, born, Ron, were born into or whatever. Ron Moore did one and a half episodes on Voyager and then, and then left the project <laughs> said, These guys are jokers. Ron Moore said that. Yeah. That's not great. The guy who makes the fuck book show. Man, imagine, I want to imagine an alternate universe where Straczynski rocked up with his binder and they were like, why don't you make Deep Space Nine? That would have been a pretty fucking tight, man. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't said tight in a long time, but that's how I would have felt at the time. Then he would have been like, can I bring in like a Yugoslavian actress that no one's ever heard of? And they would have said, no, of course not. <laughs> no, why would you even do that? Ew. They would have said, ew. Because they, you know, they weren't cool like that back then. Um. All right. Oh, did you give your execution score one? One. Uh, I said, Jesus, God, so much Schmollis singing. I do not like his vocal quality, and I do not like that he refuses to sing live. All badly ADR'd bullshit. <laughs> uh, 
I do not care whether the doctor's appreciated as a singer or whatever. My preference for the character is that he remember that he is a doctor and do doctor stuff, regardless of what the actor wants to do. <laughs> They've given him a lot of cracks at it, though, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, are these aliens so stilted in their speech because of director's notes? Like, these aliens have no art. They probably sound like robots. Are, are these garbage actors? Or Look, both, um, let's cut right to it. For worst actor, here's what I wrote verbatim. <laughs> I looked on Memory Alpha for the actress who played Tinku, and it didn't say she was illiterate, so I don't know what this performance was. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. They were all kind of like that, so I thought, I must just be like what they said these guys are supposed to be like, because they don't have art, so like they can't talk so very good, maybe. They were all a bunch of Trents from Angel 1. <laughs> Little guys. They were a little. They were a little for sure. Um, He's in the audience in one of the opera scenes. Oh, nice. Okay. Not as Trent, but the actor. No, I assume it's Trent. He's probably meant to be Trent. He just made his way out. He's made it a long way from Angel One. He. I want to follow his fucking journey. Did Trent get arrested at the end of that, or was he on the good side at the end of that? I don't fucking nah, remember. He didn't. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, I was definitely afraid Jamie was gonna wipe this dude when he tried to resign. Just hit the old factory oh, reset yeah. button. She's done the factory reset on him. I mean, there was a whole episode a million about times. It. There was an episode where she did it like seven times. She didn't want to have to sit in there and read to him again. No. I'm sorry, not read to him. Read a book silently next to him. Silently while he has a panic attack. Um, yeah, uh, and then she started, to, like you said, she sort of threatened to go that way. And I was like, oh, man. But uh, at least she didn't do that. Uh Okay, so if the Doctor had left, the show would have been better for the next season and a half, you know, till the end of the show. Yeah. Because they could recruit a new alien Doctor. And then have new challenges and conflicts based on that whole deal. Could have mixed things up again, which this trash show should always take a risk on. It can't get worse than this. They should have brought John Billingsley in early. Yeah, that's right. Here's our new Doctor, Fox. He's like the second or third best actor in the show. Uh, The character's a real creep, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> At least it would have been something, man. Voyager needed to take some chances because the the status quo was absolute fucking turds, biscuits. Um, uh, seven. Yeah, we did rank him third behind. No, sorry, second behind Degra. Yeah, well, Degra was obviously the best actor on the show for that half <laughs> season. He was in, in at number six, primate counselor. He doesn't <laughs> have a name, but he's number six on this show, ahead of. It's- M. Furry Abraham. It was weird they cast uh, all the villains were way better actors than the main characters of the yeah. show. And um, that happens sometimes, but... Uh, well, I mean, even, yeah, you got Tomalock in TNG. Even when, like, uh, Dolphin Boy and Dolphin Girl were better, that was not great. <laughs> um, A fucking council of monsters! <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, sometimes pretty- I miss Enterprise when we're talking about Voyager. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the thing that we were surprised by was how much worse Voyager was than even Enterprise. Uh, Seven's cringy fan letter in the end was really too much. It, absolutely shameless, and it made me queasy. Oh, it was it was bad, and it was, let's say, unmotivated. We don't really understand what Seven thinks of the Doctor. They're paired off a lot, but... Um, yeah, man, I'm going to give it a one. Well, surely world building is going to score big this week, huh? Oh, yeah, this definitely feels like a world building episode. Uh, these aliens who seem very judgy about the EMH, EMH tech, uh, they're tiny and rude. Yeah. They've not heard tell of singing or songs. Or a but boot. Then they've, 
Then they fucking love it, though. Yeah. And mainly they love the GD doctor. And then their whole society changes because of this encounter or whatever. Or maybe for the first time, um, they're not... Yeah, I think I said maybe for the first time they are not Voyager's enemy at the end of the episode. So that was nice. One alien that didn't want to destroy them. Uh, by um, the way, they talk about an exchange of technology, mm-hmm. but they don't seem to make one. No. <laughs> well, once they build a better doctor, they're like, we've got this. We can do whatever we want now. Um, other than the continuing saga of is the doctor a person or not, nothing happens that will affect the show next week, and I gave it zero points. Yeah, you're correct. It's a zero, uh, and I just wrote nothing. Like, yeah. because... Th- Throughout this project, I have not, for instance, named an alien race that we never meet again. Yep. And, Very uh, obvious that we aren't going to run into these dopes again. And they're so. like, what is what is there this week? The The Doctor's got a little hologram that could sing? Well, we already seen the Tasha Yar in yeah. the crystal, so yep. that's nothing. It's, it's absolutely nothing. This was a nothing world-building week. I mean, the only thing you could accept as world-building is, for some reason, they can't make a copy of the Doctor. <laughs> Which we already know, even though we don't understand it. Yep. All right, characterization then. In terms of characterization, the doctor gets a great big head and thinks he's reaching these weirdos emotionally and gets fully devastated and reminded that no one loves him or thinks he's a person at all. Yeah. Also, I'm 100% convinced that as soon as Janeway hears he thinks a woman is in love with him, she accepts his resignation because Odo-style... She's convinced that that can't be true and knows he's going to have to come back and then she can tell him <laughs> to stay in his lane. I wish the actor had given us something for that. If she'd yeah. given a knowing look of some kind, uh-huh. that would have been good. No, but she doesn't. She's just mean this week. Yep. Uh, Seven and Tom Paris both seem like their feelings are hurt that this guy is leaving, but because this is an episode about him getting his comeuppance, it's not interrogated at all. Yeah. There's not a scene when he's gone where people talk about how they're feeling about the fact that he might be leaving, right? Like, no one talks about him not in his presence in this episode. Yeah. And no one else is in it. I mean, Harry Harry Kim plays the clarinet. I don't know if he gets speaking lines. Honestly, I don't remember any. So, I gave it two for characterization, because mainly it is mean, and it's just a mean episode. Yeah. No, it's mean. Even he's mean. I mean... He throws some race-based shade at Bellana for some reason. Oh, yeah. Early on. Uh, he's a defective program with crazy ego issues. He's genuinely forgotten he's a doctor and thinks he's a great singer. Uh, he quits to bang weird aliens and be a singer on some planet. Well, that doesn't work out. Uh, Harry Kim and the Kim Tones. Uh, Bellana's barely in the show these days, mainly to have a bad attitude and then disappear again. Boy, she has not... She hasn't had a good. Per- she hasn't had an episode about her since Barge of the Dead. Ah, uh, she's in Alice. She has a, a fair part in Alice, I guess. Which one was that? Tom Paris falls in love with a shuttle. Oh fuck! God damn it! Fuck. Do you mean the one where she goes back to her abusive boyfriend at the end? Fuck. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's so not so bad. That's not the Tom Paris I know. <laughs> Same reaction I had when she said it the first time. I had to fucking pause because I knew I was going to miss anything that came after that. Oh, man. Um, Seven is up to her normal shit. Just calls for red alert before even telling anybody anything is wrong. She has not picked up any fucking protocol on this ship. Nope. I think they keep trying to tell her, hey, um, just like take it easy. 
like let's talk about things before you do them but she don't listen and she gets real worked up about losing her weird mentor Janeway is at least conflicted about how she sees Schmollis now so that's progress right I mean fucking barely well I didn't say anything good it's a two yeah well that's 12 points that ain't great um, that's not a good score. I mean, if just for instance, it's worse than any TNG ever. So, <laughs> but did you? You didn't have to describe it this week. Do you have some quick hitters? Yeah, I guess so. Yo, Picardo was like, "What if my singing was so good, <laughs> it blew people's fucking minds?" And then Garrett gets up there, and everyone's like, "Boo! We want the doctor to sing again." What if people loved my singing so much it could be dangerous? And they said yes. They said sure, whatever you want, Robert. Do your thing, Bob. Fucking Jerry Ryan was like, "Hey, I have to be in the tits and butt outfit <laughs> and wear and have permanent high heels. Can I do like one jazzy number in France?" And they're like, "Yeah. Shit, go for it. <laughs> Why not?" Uh, this uh little guy in charge on the planet I forget what dumb title they gave him in this episode. He uh, played the translator for the weird ambassador Ivanova fucked in B5. You know, human style. Nice. Um, Man, Shmolis. you looked that guy up. No, you must have no, recognized him. There's no I way knew you it. looked that up. <laughs> no, as soon as he started fucking talking, about, oh, I know that guy. Uh, Shmolis describes the portable singing replica of himself as 8 by 10 by 4. Uh-huh. Well, of what units? Yeah, it can only be centimeters, right? Well, that thing was crepe thin, dude. It looked like it could have been like eight by four by one, maybe. Uh, I assumed that was the projection size, not the. Oh, maybe. Not yeah, the maybe it was the projection diskette size. Uh, Schmollis says every Starfleet officer chose to be here, but like, well, some of them aren't Starfleet officers, and then uh-huh. even those definitely did not choose the lifelong mission on the other ah, side. That's of a the fucking galaxy. third rail on this show. Don't worry about that. I just, he said that she didn't challenge him at all. <laughs> yep. That's pretty disingenuous. No one chose this fucking bullshit. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, so this was a very hard episode for me to watch, and I did not need to see Schmaltz get praised for his singing. <clears throat> so don't expect a lot of quick hitters. Uh, electronic okay. drums existed in the year 2000. Yeah. But for some reason... They have this guy playing on a couple of Remo practice pads <laughs> instead of, you know, like they could have had a Yamaha electric drum kit in there or some shit, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they could have. Yeah, well, they didn't. No. Hey, I wish I had been at the casting session for little actors with big personalities. <laughs> well, they definitely didn't have that second part. <laughs> well, one of them did. The guy who shouts at the music that he wants the doctor again. Uh, everyone seems to know in the room that that's the guy. Yeah. Like, even the leader of the whole plan <laughs> leans over and talks to him like, can you faith fix this? You're the good at heckling. Can you <laughs> can you shout at the Kim Tones to get the fuck off the stage, please? Uh, I did like seeing these old boys go wild for the garbage singing. <laughs> I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, for best actor, like I, uh, I, I gave it to maybe irritated Tuvok. Oh man, he was barely in this one, huh? Yeah, Oof. well, but like, what? There wasn't a lot to choose from here that was good. Um, yeah. And like I said, for worst actor, it was uh, Tinku's very odd wooden performance. A so. lot of them were like that, though. They're, they were just like, 
I'm perfectly well. That that woman has had an acting career. Like she's been in a bunch of other stuff. So mm. I am perfectly willing to accept that that was a strange choice that someone made. Yeah, I think it had to have been, but I hated it. Like all the choices people make on Starfleet, I hated it. Uh, well, for the second week in a row, the winner is decided by a tiebreak. Yeah, and like but really good scores, right? Like fifty v fifty. So I'm not, I'm not a soul good. There's a lot of red on the board this week. We actually oh, gave again. fair a fairly good character score to True Q overall. <laughs> That's right. It did get a green nine. It didn't even get the lightest color of green. That's right. Uh but yeah, uh, last place this week. Um, Voyager Virtuoso, 12 points. <clears throat> Not great. No, I mean, the last time we had as bad as a 12 was when Voyager had Atlas. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, uh, you know, just in the all-time total rankings, that 12 is... There are 16 worse episodes all-time mm. so far. So Most of them Voyager. And there are... But there are, you know... There are eight twelves, so You're right. sort of, you know. Most of them Voyager. It's bottom twenty-five out of five hundred and eighty-nine episodes, so five hundred sixty-nine <laughs> episodes so far. So, well, I hated it a lot. Yeah, and I talked about it offline many times that I hated it. Second week in a row, Deep Space Nine has scored the same as the winning episode and not won. Oh, that's tough. Statistical <laughs> probabilities with a and DS Nine lost an earlier tiebreak too. Man, so if they this had just score, gotten a point here, a point there. Uh-huh. It really is a game of inches. People have said that about this. This project. score could look different with different points, or you know, if we picked a different tiebreak method. Um, but yeah, with a twenty-one, they're in second this week, and the winner again with a, with an asterisk is True Q with twenty-one. That's the fifty-fourth win for the next generation. Not a great episode. No, it's uh, rough I to didn't... see that one get a win. I didn't think. <clears throat> just thinking about it by itself that it could be an episode that could win a week but you know all you gotta do is go up against two other shitty episodes so we have some episodes next week that are let's say atypical okay so it is an interesting thought exercise as to what you think will win in week 132 for tng we are watching rascals <laughs> no that's not exciting that's not Don't love go- it it's not good news to hear that and you know what? You'd be like, look, who here's who's in the show next week. Get ready for this. Patrick Stewart, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Michelle Forbes. Yep. Uh, and you know, uh Ros was her name Rosalind Chow? Is Keiko the fourth one? Keiko's the fourth. <sighs> okay. Uh and then you know you got Riker on the bridge, whatever. Yeah. Um <clears throat> you think, oh well those are the actors I would probably that's a good combo of actors. I would like yeah. to see that. And then it's like, okay, they get on the transport, right, but man, they get turned into in, kids. They turn into kids, it's a bunch of kid actors. It's, it's a bunch a kid of kids Whoopi Goldberg. And you just go, What the fuck? What the fuck are you guys even doing? Yeah. They it is they are stealing an episode when Whoopi Goldberg and Michelle Forbes were available to shoot mm-hmm. from us. Instead they're gonna give us a little bookend. Uh huh. They're gonna have a nice chat at the end. Uh huh. Thanks. Great. Love I bet that. we'll enjoy that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's Rascals next week. Um, for Deep Space Nine, the Magnificent Ferengi. Mm, which we know because we've seen it and also because of the STO. Well, there's a Star Trek Online mission that is quite similar. It's going to be a caper with various Ferengis yep. involved. 
I mean, look, we ain't had much ROM lately. Yeah. Um, Quark's been on Little League duty for about five years now. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Quark's yeah. last episode was the one where Odo, where he and Odo went to Yosemite, as far as I remember. <laughs> that, that alien planet with no life on it? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. except for all the life. Yeah, except for it was that recognizably set in Yosemite. For <laughs> the life walking into frame all the time uh-huh. in the background. Fucking birds and bugs and shit all just flying around. Two big fat naked bikers Fucking... having sex in the woods back there. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to chip with that going on. Uh, and uh, I don't know what it is for Voyager we're watching Memorial. We said know. so much about the other ones. Let me just do it quick. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could... You can tell me what it is if you want, but yeah, uh, you get to describe. Janeway realizes that the monument is a. Mem- oh, I need. What a weird thing to pull out after returning from an extended away mission. Voyager crew members inexplicably no, begin but... having horrific flashbacks to an atrocity they seem to have participated. Oh in. no, no, I already know about this. That's a parasite that made Tuvok see that that kid on the cliff <laughs> kept falling off the cliff. I do remember that one. That was a parasite. Oh, I already boy. know the answer. It's a parasite, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Matt, I am seeing a scene where Tom Paris sees an image of himself in battle on a 1956 wood grain finished TV. Well, I mean, that's, that's all you need to know. That's the fucking preview for next week. There's a picture of a guy here, and the caption just says, Savdra. <laughs> That's going to be a character in Memorial. I love that. That's good. I'm looking forward to that. Um, earlier I saw on the, the the Twitter account, Star Trek Minus Context, it's just uh, Spock banging that gong, and the subtitle says gong. <laughs> so. <laughs> <sighs> I'm looking forward to it. That's Great. what we're going to be watching. Can't wait to talk about that parasite that makes them all think that stuff. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, you guys know where to reach us. I, I mean, you maybe you don't. I don't even anymore. Uh, te, brother date at ten forward dot social. Yeah, dot, just follow the Mastodon link on brotherdate.com Okay, and then um, we also got a Threads. Yeah, and an Instagram. You can you can even uh for the last couple of weeks you've been able to get a sneak peek at some scenes that I found interesting. That's right. A couple of days early, generally. So that's going on. Um, yeah. And then we'll be back at this in two weeks. As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As, As you, you believe, believe, so, so shall, shall you, you do. do. Is that a yellow stripe on that plane? On the, Just on the radio. <laughs> like someone just got on the horn and he's like, I think we're going to die. I think that's the, that's the ghost of Graham Glock. I think we're all dead. <laughs> Subscribe.